to another episode of Cathode Raycast. Today, I am Bernadette Gorman-White. I'm always Bernadette Gorman-White. Yes, as we're on today. <laughs> Who today? knows what you will be tomorrow? Ooh. I feel like that's a very legion way to open this episode. We'll get it. We'll get it. It's true. Uh-huh. Uh, so we are talking about Legion Season 2, Episodes 1 through 5. We know that you listeners were troopers last time and listened all the way through, hopefully. But it was a very long podcast. So... We're hoping to split it up this time, and it might be just as long, hopefully not, but uh, we're going to wade through it with more finesse, I think, hopefully. But today I'm joined today by... Robert Anderson. I am Stamper. I am Jack. Oh, I forgot. I am Groot. I'm just Robbie now. I'm dropping the last name. I don't need it. You guys have swayed me. Oh, we're using it has enough last names for all of us. I, do. <laughs> I have enough names to go around. Whatever. I'm Spider-Man then. Oh, you're Spider- oh we're using our we're using our made-up names. Oh. But I've figured out that this podcast is Legion Season 2, Part 1. But I'm also calling it the podcast where, where I find out that I was wrong about all of my predictions. Oh. From Legion Season oh, 1. Yeah. There were lots of things that we were speculating on the last podcast. It's true. We should have known uh, better. I wasn't quite right about. Or I might still be right about, but they've kind of swayed me in a different direction. True. So yeah, that first episode of Season 2, I felt was a good mirror to that first episode of Season 1. Where yeah. it gave you a lot of information. And it wasn't necessarily following a single plot line like the rest of the episodes tend to do. It was very informative. It's like, you're in a new place, you're in a new time, let's get you back up to date. Which I felt like season one, episode one, did the same thing. Sure. But there were still so many questions in so regards much. to, yeah. where's I'm, David been? I'm he trying to get it all straight. Yesterday, and it's right. been a year. So I feel like we were given quite a lot, but also only so much. Right. Mm. They weighed through it. Interestingly, I I think they're similar. Episode one, season one, and episode one, season two are similar in the ways where they're like very chaotic and out of time, and you're kind of like throughout the episode, kind of putting these pieces together. I think you know, episode one and season two, I don't want to say does a better job. I just think that like you know we as now watching this many episodes of Legion, we kind of have figured out the literacy of the show, so we're kind of like. Kind of understand, like, all right, things are not quite what they're seeing. You're not gonna, you're not gonna <laughs> pull this fast one on me. And then there's a weird dancing at the end, and they do. Well, yes. <laughs> I mean, a dance off. A dance off. <laughs> David was established in the first season to be an unreliable narrator mm-hmm. in the first place because he had this parasite that was changing his memory, and he wasn't even aware that he was an unreliable narrator. So we were th- seeing things from his perspective. And we were trying to unlock kind of the the secrets that he had in his memories and stuff. And those were slowly teased out. And now, like, now it's kind of this, the whole season has flipped on its head because David is aware of what he's doing. And he is aware that now he's unreliable in the way that he is not telling the whole truth. True. Yeah. Right. Um, What do you guys, how do you guys feel about, like, we watched five episodes for this, right? How do you guys feel about this in general, these five episodes? 
I thought it was like 10 episodes. Like, there's, there's just a lot, a lot to so unpack. Lot. There's a lot to unpack. Much. We're probably realistically going to be here for another three hours again. But nope. I'm trying no, to I have my way with it. I did it. research. I mean, I looked up stuff. I was like, oh my God, none of this makes sense, but kind of does. But I need to look up lore. And even looking up the lore behind all of it makes you even more confused. It's like, yeah. don't do that. I, <laughs> I can't see how looking into the comic books would... Help. help you it doesn't all. help with legion as it's presented to us it does give you kind of little uh you know funny happenstances that are similar right. between okay. what happened in the comic books and what happens throughout legion um a funny thing that i found was that farouk when he was fighting in the astral plane would typically present this is in the comic books would right. typically present himself as a Roman warrior. Interesting. And I looked up what the actual definition of legion is, and the first mm-hmm. definition is a unit of three thousand to six thousand men in the ancient Roman army. Ah. So I thought oh, that was a really interesting, interesting tidbit, that is right. interesting. but doesn't necessarily lend itself to anything because he doesn't present himself as a Roman, but he does present himself. I mean. A, we're talking about it generally, so I'm kind of jumping here and there. But mm-hmm. sure, as but a he's, samurai, but he's, but as a samurai, or as he wears different nature, faces, wears different, different masks, sure. different personalities. Mm-hmm. Farouk is a man of many different faces. He is a unit of many. He, in yes, itself. he is a multitude. I think, but Farouk, as is David. Farouk is yes. going to be a big subject. I think we Ooh, dig into because yeah. yeah. one of my favorite things about season two so far is the way that they have changed our concept of Lenny for one and. Uh, yes, 100%. Well, they, they've separated Lenny and Farouk. Yeah, so yes. well, yeah, and then and that kind of like the hinting. So if we go back to the first episode, if we're going to kind of like go a little bit chronologically yeah, here, linearly. But what is linear in Legion? That's why it's chronological. <laughs> Not this podcast. No. Nope. <laughs> chronological in the way that we are presented these episodes, right? Right. Um, right. I think I did a disservice to myself by watching them pretty much all at once, so they kind of blur together for me. Same. Oh, okay. Same. But, um, I watched them week to week, so okay. hopefully I can well, help you. Right. I kind of wish I had done in. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, from the top, like I thought these five episodes rocked. Mm-hmm. I thought oh, they were God. so good. I thought they are on. Like I love the first season of Legion, but I think what this season so far is doing in. Not only presenting this story in a way that it is um, largely nonlinear and wildly inventive, and they're playing with all kinds of really interesting editing techniques that I think like are subtle and quote unquote low budget editing techniques that I think go a long mm-hmm. way to add to the surrealism of the show mm-hmm. without re- like relying on heavy CGI effects and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But also the idea of human mental capacity and the idea of what it is to be sane and what it is to be conscious and what it is to be aware of yourself and perceiving reality in a way that your brain is giving to you and how I I love, I like one of my favorite things about this new season, in addition to the way Farouk has been handled is the kind of chapter breaks that Mm -hmm. we get. Mm-hmm. With the narration, uh, it, it, was John oh, John it is John it is Hamm. John Hamm. Yes. I knew it was John Hamm. Yeah, yeah, that's so good, and I love like how they they've been digging into like basic concepts of human psychology mm-hmm. and presenting that as a backdrop for the show that it's started in a mental hospital. You know, mm-hmm. I think they're they're digging into that in really interesting ways. Yeah, where Noah Hawley and his writing team and the directors are so smart. 
is that they gave us that first season with Summerland mm-hmm. and Clockworks and bits of D3 and a little bit of the outside world and David's home. They give you all of these applicable layers that help you identify what's going on, but it also helps you deconstruct the narrative Mm -hmm. to a point where it's easier to interpret. And the second season took it to a different level, and now we're in uh, D3, like actual weird D3 headquarters. Mm -hmm. And then we're also in the desert, and then we're kind of like in this pool oasis area where Lenny and Oliver are kind of being held hostage. Yep. And then also on the astral plane with David and Farouk. And yeah, I just find it very interesting. They take all of these different places, <clears throat> physical places, to represent the states of mind mm-hmm. that all these characters are right. in. Right. Which I think is very smart. Because Lenny referred to her being held captive as almost being kept in a drawer. Mm-hmm. Right. And so would you consider that pool oasis with her and Oliver the drawer? Yeah, yeah I would like say one of the one opening scenes, of it, right? Yeah. She's mm-hmm. like, ha, 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 we're trapped. And they're just laughing maniacally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, George seems that's kind of the, nice. The, the, the cold open, <laughs> right? Is, yeah. is Lenny and Oliver in the, in the pool. And I really love the line, too. Like, it's Tuesday, right? And Oliver <laughs> just says, I don't deal in the concepts of time. Right. Like, don't don't, so start, cool. don't start with that. Yeah. He's just too uh-huh. cool. In general, I think that this whole season has a I hate to use it again, but a cooler tone to it. It's just like... It's style. It's the, oozing the style, style all the time. It's left kind of... I mean, there is bits of... Com- there are bits of comedy here and there. Yeah. But not as heavily prevalent as in the first season. I considered the demon with yellow eyes to be silly at points as well as yeah, yeah You thought it was terrifying? Yeah. I, thought, like, later, I, like it. I thought later he became kind of like... If that guy was following me around a room, I would. I don't know. <laughs> it, I scared it, me. it works almost like a Pennywise kind of thing. Like yes. he, if you remove him from the context, the design can be seen a little bit silly. He mm-hmm. looks like a frog person. Yeah. But the way that they constantly used him, just sort of in the background of shots a lot of the time, and just kind of lurking in the shadows of of David's memory, and and also I think the musical stingers that sure. they always that played around him yeah. went a long way, and I think. Again, I think this show is is most interesting in the way that it creatively uses editing techniques and music. And instead of like the to go back to the dance scene again, like I think we'll probably get there as we work our way through episode one. But the way that it portrays like this mental fight in such a creative and unique way, I think goes a long way to the style of the show. Yeah, sure. very primal way too. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I had like a anxiety going through the season and only because we're at the midway point that like that we're getting a lot of style over substance and I don't mean that like I just think like some of the more micro interactions between characters like on a dialogue level sometimes like didn't hit super hard for me whereas like the overarching like huge heady concepts of the show are always amazing and the way the show looks is always amazing but sometimes like just the way people talk to each other because it's so surreal and because it's a little weird doesn't like always land for me and i'm not sure if maybe because like i watched it a lot once or like that's a, a stylistic choice in itself and maybe i just need to kind of get over that and just like accept it for the way it is um i think you guys are all pretty much like 100 in on legion but that's kind of my only like criticism going into season two that i have where I was just like, 
I just don't like believe all like some of like the more smaller bits and connective tissue of the show like don't always land for me as much as like the really big like the things that kind of make Legion what it is I think totally works still. I will agree with you in two parts. Mm-hmm. I think w- one of my favorite set of characters from the first season were the Carries. Mm-hmm. Carrie, yeah. And I feel like the Carries have not been treated with as much care in this season so far. Yeah. Uh, probably physically and also, oh. yeah, just stylistically <laughs> and yeah. what's been given to them on the page. I don't think it's bad by any means, but mm-hmm. I'm not nearly as enthralled by their no. storyline this season so far. And also yeah. I think they took a lot of Clark's humanity away. That they gave him in that last episode of season yeah. one. And we are only halfway through the season. I get right, that. You right. know, so they totally change. Clark didn't have any humanity until we get him on the last episode of season one. Right. You know, but I do agree with like the carries. I feel like um, once they get like weirdly separated, they don't, it doesn't really make sense to me why they are able to like come back together again, kind of by episode five. Because um, they're like, they're dealing with some internal struggle that I feel like they're not. They didn't really, like, talk a lot about on the show itself. Mm-hmm. And then I also, like, sometimes, like, Sid and David's interactions, like, as cute as some of them are, are, like, a little corny for me, too. We're not, like, totally there. Yeah, exactly. And, and these are that. these are minor gripes. No, I sure. get that. Yeah. I think the, the David and Sid interactions make a little more sense to me because they're confused what their interactions are. They're true. They're both, sure. like, awkward. Because there's one in the future. Where yeah. am I now? And also just how they are started, the too. Right. Where they come from. Where yeah. it was, you know, the physical had to come much, much later and all this other uh, work leading up to the relationship they have now mm-hmm. that was prevalent. And even that whole episode where David was in her mind, trapped in what he thought was the maze, but was just her showing him what she wanted him to see. That was on a deeper level than, you know, some relationships might get to because it's devoid of the physical. Mm -hmm. So there was that that I really enjoyed about that particular episode. Mm -hmm. However, I do understand the cliche aspect that you're bringing up where at the end it's like, she says to him, it's the struggle that makes us who we are. It's mm. the fight that will get us to where we're going. And I thought, I don't know. I just felt it was anticlimactic after mm. all And that's that. that's kind of like my, that's emblematic of kind of like the point that I was making is kind of, whereas like that episode, if we isolate that episode in particular, like him kind of like strengthening their relationship by him learning about on the loop the things that made her who she is now. It's like, that's all amazing. Mm-hmm. That's an amazing, like, story structure. That's incredible. But then when he's, like, talking to her just straight up, it's like some of those beats just don't land for me, mm. you know? I will say in that, in the first episode, to go back to episode one, and season hopefully... Season two or season one? Season two. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this oh, podcast. Yes. <laughs> um, I think what we're seeing a lot of is the struggle that Sid is going through on her own, because mm-hmm. Melanie has been just battle beaten she's She's gone and she's she's kind of been in Sid's ear the entire year that David's been gone just like well men leave who are you going to be in and out Melanie is some heavy drugs too for sure also Melanie it's just very sad and so she's had to listen to Melanie Sid has had to listen to Melanie for you know a year while they're both dating like these psychics Melanie's going through the exact same thing where she dated a power she was involved with a powerful she was married to a powerful yeah, yeah, psychic yeah. and had to deal with him checking out and leaving her how would you save and the world exactly yeah. and uh, to not dial in on anything specific you mentioned but I think in general some of the 
beat to beat, like actual people standing in front of them, each other talking mm. dialogue. I can see how you would feel that it, it's a little bit clumsy or disjointed. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the entire premise of the show is to sort of give you that surreal feeling. Yeah. No, and it's totally sort of fair. like the, you know, Alice in Wonderland, we're all mad here kind mm-hmm. of thing. And I think oh, it's. Yeah. It's similar. I think it's a stylistic choice similar. You haven't watched Twin Peaks The Return? No, but, but I, I bet it's like similar. I think it's way. very similar in that way yeah. in that it's deliberate in the way that they're all speaking to each other in a way that's sort of mad. Yeah. And I, I think I, I think within there, I think there's some really good um, writing as well. Like I, th- I think especially some of the Farouk and Oliver he's moments. The, he's the strongest. Oh, those two, those I think, are the strongest awesome. written characters those right moments now. In yeah. The car. Farouk with his sunglasses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love the introduction of this new um, initial. So my question is, the body he's looking for that Farouk is searching for, is that his original body? Because some of what I've looked up in accordance to comic book lore is that Farouk is actually the um, initial almost personification of evil. No, oh, and wow. he... Um, kind of takes on a host. So he is something other that takes on a host and that host becomes what is considered the human mutant. I think from what the show has presented so far, it is Farouk was born in the 1800s as a man, Mm. but he was a mutant and he became so powerful mentally as a mutant that he was able to, like the physical aspect of him is different than mm-hmm. a normal human like body. Like never aged. Well, or he controls his aging mm-hmm. in a way, or obviously his body still has something going on, even mm-hmm. when his his consciousness was separated from. There's right. some power and together. Body. They yeah. yeah, they have to be, they have to be more powerful back. together. Yeah. Right. Correct. So I I really like if we're gonna dig into Farouk specifically. Or what what kind of structure you want to go here? For oh, you? I'm not sure. I thought it would be best <laughs> to maybe try to go episode by episode. Sure. Or we can talk about characters during the first half and then try to go more into these like chapters where the narrator gives mm. you a little bit of storyline. We could talk about those in the second half. Sure. Uh, whatever. I don't, I, I'm happy to see where it goes just flowing because Farouk is obviously like the main attraction. Oh, yeah. It's one of my favorite yeah. things of this season. Season two so far. That. Agreed. Yeah. Um... He's going to pop up all the time. All the time. Yeah. But I I like how they have completely changed our perspective on Lenny as we know oh, Lenny. Yeah. Because I think from I think season one. I thought one, she was Farouk as yeah. is. She's know. a hostage. Or at, yeah. least, or at least Lenny was just a. I didn't think Lenny was a person. Face that. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, it's the, the. Now that we're learning that Lenny is actually a real personality. Right. And Farouk was under the surface the whole time, pulling the strings of the personality, but she was still a puppet. Mm-hmm. And I think that adds another like level of danger to Farouk because Lenny in season one was such this imposing, intimidating character mm-hmm. uh, in herself. Like going, you know, everything that she did, you know, in the in their kind of mental hospital prison mm-hmm. that she made mm-hmm. for them. Um, she's so intimidating. And then to find out that like, this is just a personality that Farouk used mm-hmm. in order to kind of lull David into this false sense of security. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. um, she has that line. She's like, yeah. you got what you wanted out of me. You wanted me to be the thing to like ease David into this and kind of get David on board so that you could have the upper hand here. Then to realize that like, no, he's actually this like mastermind that is 
pulling the strings of these multiple personalities, I think mm-hmm. is like a really interesting way to totally change our entire perspective on this uh, demon with yellow eyes, uh, like completely for season right. two. Because Lenny, for the most part, is unhinged. Yes. And you don't know necessarily what she's going to do. Um, however, this Farouk that we're presented is calm, cool, and collected, which Smart. is almost more terrifying. Absolutely. Oh, more terrifying. The whole sparring match. It's just, mm-hmm. he knew he could play David like a fiddle. And um, whereas Lenny, especially towards the end of season one, was starting to come undone. Right. So this new presentation of this entity that we call Farouk is just yeah. all powerful. And you, you believe it this time around, because with Lenny, maybe not so much. I thought he was a lot older than 1800s. I thought in the first I season they... Like ancient Egypt. That's what I thought yeah. as well. I thought they, to my knowledge, and maybe I got confused with comic book lore mm-hmm. versus like what they actually said in the show. I thought That's what I'm saying. One, Don't research comic book lore. It gets, it gets weird. <laughs> he's also, he looks like almost like the kingpin in comic books. Yeah. He has a little hat. Oh. Um, he's, he's kind of funny looking. So cute. But so um, I thought in season one they made it seem like it's like, Farouk, the Shadow King... Like, I thought they mentioned he was, like, thousands of years old That's or what something. It, yeah. But I guess he's just hundreds. But in truth, the Few way that thousands. this character is presenting Farouk, you know, the way that Farouk is presented, you would believe that mm-hmm. if you were told that. Yeah. Um, he speaks French, he speaks Farsi, and that kind of Persian. lends itself. I'm sure he yeah. speaks German. All too, knowing, so, like, everything, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that- having been around for... Hundreds of years. Yeah, if that not more. specifically is one of the stylistic choices I love, where Farouk just constantly slips into other languages, mm-hmm. and he's always changing the language, just like from one language to another. Yeah. He'll go from French back to English, yep. into German, like constantly changing those things seamlessly. And anyone who's around him understands. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. yes, especially Oliver whenever yeah. he's talking to Oliver. But okay. I think it's, um, it's that kind of like. A gotta hand it to the actor who is Oof. absolutely killing this it's role. Incredible. Absolutely. Which has to be a hard role to pitch. Like that's just it's so aloof and ambiguous, but also like I mean all... he fi- there's such like a structure that he found there, you know, by making yeah. this kind of like uh aristocrat mm-hmm. just kind of jack of all trades right. connoisseur like that's like there's more of the businessman behind him too yeah, yeah the definitely. rationality where david and he came to an agreement that no one else would be hurt if i help you find your body and he was right. like all right fine. Like, sure. yep. that's perfectly reasonable i'm gonna do this weird thing to your family though. whether you trust totally him or not right. is, but uh, we know yeah, lenny would have gone and you know she might have said she would have done something she would clearly lie or something yeah, she exactly. would she's a liar exactly. <laughs> straight yeah. up yeah. um yeah, no other way to bring this character into the show than to give us Oliver just like the essence of cool, and then show us someone Do even together. Yeah. Oh, I don't know and if he's they're, like, they're, they're a great pair. They're a great pair. Ooh, yeah, just the way he comes in, so like understated. That's like the only way to play that character mm-hmm. yeah. because it's such an over the top, omnipotent character. Oh, I like how they teased him out too. Oof. Like they showed the the few glances of him mm-hmm. at first, like right in that open where you get uh, Lenny and. Oliver trapped, and it kind of like you see, kind of that glimpse. Of I thought Farouk. it was Lenny's arm that gave him the. Uh, oh, like the drink. I didn't even. You're but right. It's yeah, that's Farouk. That's Farouk's arm. Mm. He's very smart. He knows how to keep his captors hopefully as entertained so, and as pleasant. How as much he can like keep them. how much agency do we think that Lenny had in season one? 
any well, at all? Like, how, I think how she was a puppet. old well, is she being? That's the difficult part within this season because she literally said, I was playing along as if she she did have the uh, the conscience behind what she was doing, whereas I might have preferred she be played like a puppet. It's almost as if mm. she she did know what she was doing, but she yeah. did it to appease Farouk. Well, she's an addict as well. I think she was aware. So, he, maybe he's giving her long, something. But, right. Yeah. But I also don't think she had a choice. Right. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It really threw my whole theory out the window that, because at the end of season one, I was convinced <clears throat> that Farouk had been with Oliver before, dressed as Lenny, as his Chinese wife. Oh, and then yeah. to find <laughs> out afterwards, <laughs> I was like, in the first episode, I was like, well, I was wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and that was such a solid theory I had going in my head. Yeah. The Chinese line could totally be a red herring or it could oh, yeah. be something. I mean, something it seems that, that could, it was. And yeah. I think they could decide at any point to bring that to into bring play. To bring that back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's still quite a few episodes to go. Yeah, sure. We're not we're not done yet. So mm-hmm. a lot of, even, even some of my little minor gripes could totally, or even some of the things we brought about, like character development, like... We got five more episodes to see the carriers do some weird shit. Oh, absolutely. But I still, I still am confused by like, do you guys like feel me on that though? Because the carries are not my favorite. I yeah, I, and I love them yeah, before. Kind but of do you remember in this the, in this season, like their arc was they're doing normal carries stuff, and then they touch the spoon, and now they can't conjoin again. So right. they have to learn how to be separate. Be separate. But then they eventually. Just conjoin again, yeah. and it inside doesn't. Out, but inside out, so, so it's not the as good. And okay. The inner carry is aging, right? Oh, okay. Which is the major difference. So that's what the inside out. Thing I did. Is. I liked. Okay. I liked the scenes that we got between the two of them, where He's that inside, her. inside carry oh, sure. had to. Learn I think how I just. Eat I think maybe I just needed that, yeah. like, explain to me. It was almost more of a comedic relief, honestly, with they how it's are. marginalized. Yeah. yeah, because it's not. Yeah. We're not really given much depth behind them as characters per se. We have a little bit about their history, kind of this and that. Um, we were even confused as to like how the aging of them not the aging of them but like the inception of one or the other worked both times i heard i rewatched that story is a little confusing to me but i I think with most things in legion like they are presented to you how they are and yeah they're not meant to be like you know the exact details of this most of the time i don't think are all that important right i can agree with that i mean in oh go ahead i was just gonna say we have people that can absorb conscious consciousness yeah mm-hmm. yeah why not absorb another person or even like you know mind over matter is like the all-powerful mode in this show too right so, and i think know. with farouk as well like our perception of farouk now we know was subject to change all along mm-hmm. and could absolutely be subject to change again yeah. mm-hmm. none of us would have expected this farouk oh no by the end of season one no. i had no, no fucking even when they showed this guy i'm like who is this guy right and like that's that's the og farouk i'm like yeah. no it's it is. With his oh, cool like smile that's also scary. Right. And going back to the Dean with the yellow eyes, that character is absent. Yeah. But the more I think about it, the more I think I'm coming to terms with the fact that that's just David's perception. Mm-hmm. And scary getting monster. back to yeah. David and having Farouk gone out of his mind, there are still those moments where there are whispers. Mm-hmm. But as opposed to. But it they're in being, David's voice this time. They're in his mind. Right, but, but he communicates with them. It's not someone taking charge. It's this constant conversation happening inside his mind. But the whispers that he's hearing are his own voice. No. 
You don't think so? No, there to was me, some they other sound like, like to me they sound like his so voice. I actually I, I, I think they are as well. I watched the show with subtitles, mm-hmm. and when he's hearing when it's like don't say this, don't say this, don't, why why are they talking like this? It says David one, David two, David. Oh. yeah. So yeah. it is. But I think that's also the show leaning into the comic book lore well, of his multiple personalities. I did, I did assume yeah. they were multiple personalities. Yes. Yeah. So, the, the but they are all—they are all David. Yes. Right. They are in David's voice, mm-hmm. which is something Farouk never did. Mm-hmm. Even when he was inside David's mind, he never presented himself to David voice. as mm-hmm. David. I think it's also mm-hmm. interesting. something that other. David might now actually have an actual mental disorder, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of you know. One that Farouk instilled on him, I think it's like a, it's almost like a PTSD that he has right. from having multiple personalities inside him. Now that the demon's gone, he just has his own multiple personality disorder. Do you think that's a symptom of Farouk, or do you think that always was? A symptom, I think. Well, I, I mean, guess with, it could be argued with, either way. With mental way. mental illness, there's no, you know, you can't always diagnose where that thing stems from yeah, because it's so much right. of it the nature versus nurture aspect to it. Mm-hmm. You know, it could be in your genes to have a mental disorder or any number of stresses combined in just the right way, just the right pressure in just the right time could yeah. create these kind of things. Mm-hmm. And I think the show is starting to toy with that a little bit, especially towards the end with David and that, that discussion that he has with Sid at the end when he's talking about his psychosis and mm-hmm. the psychosis convincing you that you are don't have a psychosis mm-hmm. yeah um and i i love how season two specifically with the john ham narrated chapter breaks dives into that more and those concepts are set up first in the chapter breaks and then explored Throughout with the, the characters as right. well and, and to go back to your original point i think that's where i disagree with you on the moment-to-moment character mm-hmm. aspects because I think in this season they're really starting to dig into that kind of thing through all these characters. And they established in the first season a lot of plot. Um, and they established, they introduced us to these characters. And I think they're doing well in season two by fleshing out these characters and diving deeper into the concept of mental illness and just mental cognizance in general. And using these characters that we already know and have come to, you know, understand their relationships with each other and also like the plot that's going on behind all of them and fleshing them out especially with the kind of teeth chattering uh, maze Mm. stuff Mm -hmm. so the contagion going back to the carrie and carrie situation that you were talking about struggling with yes is the narration in that specific episode where they're caught outside of each other Mm -hmm. uh they do talk about uh how humans are the only ones who have a perception of the world and who can be taught that it is black and white or mm-hmm. a certain way. And so I think, as Jack mentioned, that, yeah, the perceptions are changing. Right. And I think the carries are being faced for the first time in their lives probably what they are and why they perceive themselves to be that way. A role reversal in ways. So. Right, right. And I think D3 just... Can you imagine living in D3 oh in that weird, amazing so, who, area? Who would have fucking thought that D3 looked like that? Admiral it's bizarre. Fukuyama. Oh, yeah. The, the Baskethead. Vermilion. I had to refer to my notes. <laughs> <laughs> the Vermilion are also probably the second best addition to... They all look like the Beatles. To, yes. They all look like Lady Beatles. They look like Lady Beatles. <laughs> yes. Um... They're fantastic. They sing? Mm-hmm. So they're, they're incredible. <laughs> they're kind of hot. Does anyone agree? I, I, <laughs> I completely disagree. Oh. Disagree? Yeah. They're not right. kind of hot. They're terrifying. <laughs> All right. They're terrifying hive mind monsters. 
Okay. Now we know a little bit more about Jack. Jack has a true <laughs> his mustache. It's true. I'm just kind of like, you know, head cocked to the side looking. I'm like, yeah, kind of. Huh. From so, the back, maybe. Yes. <laughs> hey, what's, what's going on with your weird yeah, like, I like that. Yeah. Ooh, I like somebody. that stash. Like yeah. Yeah, something about that weird Beatles, Beatles yeah. bowl cut and stash. Please stop talking to, to a guy us. that wears a yeah. basket on the head. Don't touch me. <laughs> yeah. Are you flirting with us? We are thousands and a machine. Yeah. We bleed. <laughs> we cry. <laughs> we cry. <laughs> or if okay. they're into it, it's just like, you should find us at. The bar. <laughs> we'll all be drinking tea. <laughs> all right. Yeah, okay. yeah. Oh, man, There's a, definitely funny. a portal thing going on there as well. Yeah. Very portal. Uh, very very GLaDOS mm-hmm. like, and the personality cubes going mm-hmm. on with those things there. Who plays the Vermilion? Do you guys know? No. Well, after Do episode five, I don't know if I it is thought, that same I actress. thought it was the same. That's why I was kind of I figure it positing. is. Wait, what? Because remember how Amy says she has that dream where she's the Vermilion, oh. and I'm like, oh. does she play oh the Vermilion? Because you're thinking the whole time, where's his sister, and has she yeah. been the Vermilion the entire time in the season? Do but, we want to try to go back to episode like? Oh God! S- well, we're not going to talk about episode five. <laughs> no, no, five. no. But I mean, like, I don't know. They're actually we... different people. Three different ladies. Look Wait, at shut that. The fuck up, playing right? the Vermilion. Oh. Mm. Well, I'll be. And not Amy. And not look, Amy. they're all hot behind that mustache. Told yeah, you. Yeah, behind it's the mustache and the nose piece. See, Jack just has a better heart because he can see through uh, the weird things about the their The mustache is fine. Like, my husband I'm has terrible. a mustache. Ah, I'm into mustaches. Yo, listen, listen, Burn. Yes. Don't, don't fuck me over on this. Have him for Halloween be a real <gasps> Oh, Have you him. wear a basket oh, on your head. Don't you dare fuck me on this. You're doing it. <laughs> Or you we'll guys can all we'll be Vermilions and I'll be Admiral Fukuyama. Fukuyama. I think it might be important to kind of dwell on episode two for a moment because that's Absolutely. when the <coughs> idea of delusion comes in, or yeah. deception rather, comes into play with that oily no, creature right. that emerges delus- from the Delusion egg. is, or it is delusion. Right? It's yeah, dece- it's the it's idea between an idea and, and deception as well. Mm. Yeah. Um, and uh, I noticed throughout the series that the little creature crawls here and there, but then there's also the presentation of the Minotaur when Melanie is, you know, high on whatever the Minotaur is washing its way through. And I think that creature in itself is also another representation of delusion and deception. And then that reoccurs later. And there's a moment where David is in the club and the monk is over his shoulder. And if you freeze the frame, the image of that creature that weird minotaur egg creature pops up and it's kind of overlaying David in the club. Mm. And then later on too, um, who was it that had that weird dream? Maybe one of the carries, but beneath the basket head was the minotaur creature face. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I started paying close attention to when that presented itself. It's interesting, because the, the minotaur seemed to be Melanie's demon. Sure, but it's almost but now it like seems a grown-up version yeah. of that creature, which uh, makes perfect sense that the creature came out dragging itself on the ground and, and then as grows growing into up, this weird legs wheeling not functioning. itself around. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think Ptolemy is also uh, dealing with that creature as He seems well. to be the most afflicted by it, because right. it's in his head, It's like I guess. crawled into yeah. his ear. Well, right? yeah, I don't think it's it's specifically any any single person's no. monster. I think it's mm-hmm. something that's, that everybody is dealing with. I, I think it's a representation, and I think the smaller creature version is just the seed. Right, and when yeah. you see the minotaur, that's full-blown. Right. And it makes sense in terms of Melanie having completely almost 
gone catatonic, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, fixated on Oliver and my man's gone and our man this, blah, 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 and just going heavy into the drugs and the Minotaur is kind of just like constantly around her because she's fully submerged into the delusion, into the deception. Do you think it was also bred by D3 by moving them into that facility? Oh, that's so difficult to decide. Can, yeah, I, I wouldn't take it so literally. Where Lenny kisses the creature and mm-hmm. sends it off. So that's I don't true. know that it has anything to do with D three. It could be. I think. I think what Jack is about to say, like less of a literal device sure, sure. for sure. But I also think like there's that a lot of there's a lot of deception yeah. and deceiving happening. Even like you know David's deceiving all the characters that all of his friends and all of D three. Mm-hmm. Like he's mm-hmm. been lying to them since episode one. You yeah. know, so that in a way is. Is the creature itself that they're exactly. describing? Exactly. You know? Sorry, I didn't mean like literally bred in a. Well, I think I, I think in the context of just mean like the head space. It's that yeah. collective that conscience now. that they do bring up um, in season two about mm-hmm. how one person can be affected and afflicted and how that corresponds, and it's a, like a domino effect. Mm-hmm. And what I love about that episode in particular is how Oliver kind of plays this role. Um, this is while John Hamm is talking about yada yada. Mm-hmm. Um, Oliver plays this role where he is grooming, we're talking about nature versus nurture, grooming a child to believe the opposite. Mm-hmm. That red is go and green is stop. Mm-hmm. And then that child ultimately gets hit by a car and we assume dies. In that same episode, David is on the rooftop talking to Sid and there are all these I don't know if you notice green hands <laughs> pointing directly at him. Mm-hmm. And we've been told that green is bad. Green means stop. Don't go. So you have to wonder, can we trust David? Right. And that, I, is that the same episode where he finally tells Sid what's going on? Yes. And, so that makes perfect mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. So it's, it's, I, I really like that one, that uh, chapter break with the, de- with the deception mm-hmm. and the line specifically that, humans have to agree on in order for our reality to be accepted we have to all agree that green means go mm-hmm. and red means stop mm-hmm. and if you're taught otherwise or if you learn otherwise then that's where madness can stem from right mm-hmm. so and psychosis because yeah. you truly believe that red is good and green is bad or yeah. red means go and green means stop right, right. exactly man so many layers to all of this and it always comes back to the mental illness yeah. aspect of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're leaning a lot harder, I think, onto the psychology aspect of this season. And I love that to death. Mm-hmm. I'm way into that. Even without having Summerland as like a backdrop. Or or, nine, or Clockworks, I should say, sure. as a right. backdrop. They're, well, or Clockworks or, or, some, or Summerland, yeah. yeah. Like, I feel like they are kind of doubling down on mental illness without having like the setting necessarily having to be about it. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Because it's, it's no longer a question. We know the that show's David, about there's something this. up with yeah. David regardless. And now it's just the reality behind that and then and dealing with that. And all of our X Men in the show like have powers in the mind. Like right. it's, and it's I, a show that this is what the show right. is about. You I know? think right. X Men has always been a franchise that has been about dealing with any sort of othering yeah. through these powers. Absolutely. And when it comes to the mental powers, and especially, again, when once we get to the maze and we start to look at each individual yeah. person's maze, that ties in directly to their power, not only their powers, but also their anxieties and mm-hmm. I think some of their, their mental mm-hmm. hang-ups. And I think, again, like it goes back to we're all mad here. Like yeah. They are all dealing with their own aspects of this warped reality, not only because of the powers that they deal with, but also... 
you know, the history that each of these characters is dealing with. Yeah. And I think all of that breeds its own unique kind of mental illness that is in each of these characters. And I think it also is a hindrance that, at least at Summerland, Melanie was trying to help everyone, trying to help train everyone and keep their powers in check and trying to hone in on handling their own powers. And now that she's checked out, people who think that they have a handle, perhaps, on what they're doing might be losing their grip slowly Mm -hmm. but surely, even the most confident of people. We see Patonomy almost strangle Lenny at one point, but that's Mm -hmm. not Patonomy at all. I'm not, that's not autonomy at all. <laughs> um, some other fun, like, uh, I, th- I feel like this show also is like putting in a lot of other X-Men tropes. Like time travel is a worn and true X-Men trope that oh, we yeah. all know about now. But also, I think one that maybe not everyone realized at first is uh, David's sensory deprivation tank is almost yes. mimicking Charles Xavier's uh, oh, headset yeah. room. Like, yeah. it's like identical what is it called i it's it's not uh it's not oracle it's i meant to look it up before the episode but i forgot uh, but you guys all know what we're talking about charles xavier cerebro cerebro Cerebro. yes exactly it's like the same exact like thing almost visually that was like a huge that was a huge weird well it's on a much smaller scale but david's also a uh, telekinetic infant in a way and yeah, strawberry. It's strawberry. Don't drink yeah. it. That would but if be, you do, it will taste like strawberries. <laughs> I can't even tell you guys how sticky that would be. Oh, yeah. It's <laughs> just floating. No problem. Having it's great, like the womb great of Cerebro. But I, I love how they're, you know, they're folding in some... The show is still an X-Men show. Mm-hmm. And they're really folding in, I think, some of, like... Not all the elements of X-Men, not trying to, you know, ham-fist it, but the things that are just like... Oh, like, if you're going down the X-Men shopping aisle for story structure, and you're like... I'll take a little bit of time travel and look at the ingredients. You're like strawberry, yeah. Definitely some <laughs> daddy, <laughs> daddy issues. Definitely some gonna take daddy issues. Uh-huh. Yeah, definitely yeah, some hair turning hair. white weirdly. <laughs> uh, characters who can't touch each other, otherwise uh-huh. they'll cause danger. Some queer theory. Some in queer here, theory, for sure. absolutely. And civil rights, and we're good. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. Um, about the non-touching thing, I was a little confused with the Sid situation because her mother was able to touch her when she was a small child. I think yeah. she her said that it all of a sudden. Yeah, but was the mother must have become aware or was the mother just an aloof withholding mother? I don't know. Because it goes from her being an infant She was very shocked when she was in the being shower. Being held and yeah. then her mother it kind of like skipped forward to Sid being maybe six or so in the bed and her mother kind of wrapping a pillow around her just to show a some sort I of think well, I think Sid, Sid has... always never wanted to be touched. Right. Okay. Right. But then her powers manifested later. Mm. With the kiss. Yeah. Yeah. She never liked being touched. Mm. That was a whole she thing. Was, yeah, she did cry. Well, the she kiss, was touched. I don't think the kiss was the first time she no. was in power. She, so? she, she seemed she oh, knew she had a look she knew on her face. She I think looked she at knew the boy. that something bad was going mm-hmm. to happen for sure. She looked at the girls but coming in. I don't think in, she knew what was going to happen. And she looked at the boy that wanted to kiss her. And she put it together, two and two. I'm going to kiss him, swap, and then beat the shit out of these girls. But she also had already been wearing her gloves. She knew not to touch. And we're missing the moment... Between an infant that can be held and a girl that must always wear gloves and cannot be touched. Right. That's right. 
what we're that's the little yeah. key I think we're it's because there. her mom always had parties too and I'm sure she was expected to maybe shake a lot of hands but she didn't really want to touch a lot of people's hands yeah. so she wore gloves from a young age it's hard to know or if it's her anxiety maybe. or the power maybe those are like cool right. driving well, that's the thing I, mean, I, think, <laughs> I think those two things are they're one they're yeah. synonymous yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's, but she's yeah. also like you know she's infatuated with there's there's a moment where she's trying on all the coats and things like that so she has a intimacy she wants intimacy she wants intimacy she has an infatuation with like Perhaps being someone else. Being someone else. She understands, like, you know, her trying on all the different outfits is emblematic of her curiosity. I didn't even think of that. Yeah, that's why she has a little dress-up time. Yeah, there's that moment where she's like, I have a mustache now, just like the million. Which is just like, I'm going to talk like this. I don't know what these characters are yet. And we're all just like, that's a weird moment to have in the show, but I totally buy it. I just have a good feeling about this. This will certainly happen. And then she was, she was also a cat. And she was a cat. Yeah, she loves being a cat. Her being the cat, I mean, we she all... She was introduced as the cat. I know yes. there's, her as there's the cat. two ladies like, oh, at no, this table who I know were just like, please, I we wish. have this power. <laughs> kitty, kitty. I also love, uh, like, um, Requiem for a Dream cat dolly shots, where it's like she's the cat, and the cat's yeah. just like walking oh, through yeah. his three. It's like, this is good. Definitely. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, those Sid powers are definitely hard to figure out exactly mm-hmm. when the shift happened. Mm-hmm. But yeah. you'd have to understand that she, when she went to that rave, mm-hmm. what do you think happened at that rave? I think that was, actually, I think that was her powers in, her, in their infancy. infancy. So okay. she's like, because you see her like, bumping up changing. against people. Yeah. No, let's talk yeah. about that That's what I thought, too. Second. Yeah, let's talk about it. Because there's that moment where she's moshing, blah, 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 and then it cuts to her in a hospital right. that night. And right. That's the first but time then, we see it. Again, it plays over, and she's back home, and that's when she, you know, becomes her mother right. and goes into the shower with her mother's lover. Mm-hmm. Right. So, what's that all about? I don't, I don't think it's the same necessarily. Night. Yeah. She still has the same a. She still I thought it was the same night. Hair and just let the one knot down. And that I, could just I be a style that, choice. All right, Stamper. But I thought that was the same night too. Like you. we were getting more <laughs> of the story. The but second she's, time she's like the night where she's like on the table and her mom's like by her bedside. She's like leather strapped oh, yeah, in. Like, I, yeah, I see that. Like, the I see that like treatment. Crazy. I think yeah. that, well, I think her being in the bed is not post rave night. I think that's post sexual assault night. I think it's all the same night. Maybe her being in the bed is post rave night and then she's home after being in the hospital and then oh. decides like... Or I would suggest order, probably the opposite. So is it say, rave, come home, well, touch know. mom, go to right. shower? Right. I don't well, know. I don't that's know, a wild the, night. The lover was taken away by the cops and the mom... I don't know. That's the thing. We're it's missing. So well, we're missing. We're missing chunks in that loop. Major Definitely. chunks. Major yeah. chunks. On purpose. Totally basically. could see the show filling more of that in. Yeah. You know, yeah, like I hope just so. because it didn't give us everything, didn't give us Sid's entire one hundred percent story in that one episode. No. Doesn't yeah. mean they're. Not I mean, the whole point of gaps. having the Sid episode is not to give you one hundred percent. It's to give you the the moments that she presented to us, mm-hmm. to David, to see who right. she's at. <laughs> Yeah, as that episode was coming out and like unwinding and unspooling, I turned to Heath and I was like, I can't believe we're going to get to see that moment. I never thought yeah. we would oh, see yeah. that. That's moment. what I was thinking too. That was I was major like, major in the first season well, we, when she brought that yeah, up. Yeah, and right. I never thought, and the way they did that, I think, was very tastefully done. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and that actress, I can't remember her name, it's but Lily she's from American. I love her. Who? I love her. I did some research. Her long-term partner is Clark in the show. <gasps> oh, my God. They have a child together. Wow. Oh anyway. My God. 
Ooh. <laughs> 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 but you were saying that you never thought we would see it either. I never, and, no. I, but it was I'm, very tastefully I'm say, done. I think it was tastefully done. I, I totally think it, that's the best way you could do what they were describing yeah. to us in season one. Yeah. I didn't think it was um, going to be in a shower. No, she said it was, no, in, she the said it was in, in the shower. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't recall. But like, <laughs> but like, the thing, I think the most like graphically unsettling thing is like, you do see a little bit of the sex with the mom. Yes. And just knowing what's happening and seeing that like this full adult body is like not does not seem like they're enjoying what's happening. That to me was the most like that's I think like the unsettling thing that they're communicating to you. Did and you, like Did you see it as not enjoying what was happening? I mean she's I, in like a woman's body who has had ample sex, I'm yeah. sure. Yeah. But well, like I I still think kid, so. yeah. I still think that <laughs> she's done sex so at least I'm once. Certain that, you know, Sit inside her mother's body wasn't necessarily feeling the pains you would as a virgin. I don't mean like a pains thing. I mean more of like a, I don't know what's happening. Exactly. Oh, yeah. I, I'm in over my head. Yeah, I'm not realize. sure. I don't think I'm not really commenting on the pleasure or not pleasure. I mean more of like the physical subtext of just like like because he like grabbed her. Right. It was very aggressive. It was very aggressive. Was being... Yeah, and like if the context was different, then maybe that would have been different. Mm-hmm. Right. But I, we don't have that context, and like him. You know, like she's being bent over, banged against like the shower. Like it, it, to me, the adult playing her did not look like uh, not so much enjoying or not enjoying. She just looked confused and kind of like I don't really know what's happening. In over her head. Exactly. That's how I. That's how I read it. The physical, the physicality of that scene. Yeah, not to sound like perv, but I will go back and rewatch all of this <laughs> before we come back for the second half. Specifically, the shower podcast. scene over and over, over, over that scene with a fun. <laughs> but yeah, I'll definitely look for those signs because I didn't really pick up on that the first maybe time. But yeah. I, maybe, I can maybe the, maybe the context of it. Maybe I was like freaked out already, so the context right. of it kind of freaked Could me be. out. I have um, to see it again too. Right. I mean, it was a young girl who was very curious, and she went into it understanding slightly what was going to happen. Yeah. But Probably She's probably been on MySpace or Zeno Jane. She knows what's going on. Do you take that guy? <laughs> do you take that guy as sort of a creep in this situation though? Because Sid does say in the first season when she's describing that that uh, event is that she had a flirtation with her mother. He winked at her. There was that he one. Fl- moment he winked at her. He's, I don't, a, he's not full creep in the uh, yeah. I was in the say, world. I don't think he's full guy. creep. No. I mean, I don't think he's an upstanding citizen. But it was a bit of. That girl's like fourteen. Yeah, mm-hmm. I didn't necessarily take that as like wink. I want to do wink. Let's fuck. Like wink. Yeah. You're going out for the night. Like have a good time. Even okay. though you're like a young. Yeah. Kid. I'm well, trying to be the cool boyfriend. Yeah, yeah. If you have the context like, of that line from the first season, I could see. She him said being there creepy. was a flirtation. Right. Was the exact yeah. line. So then I could see that season. kind of muddling that. And you could see Sid grasping at straws, hoping that there was a flirtation. That's oh, the thing, sure. too. Yeah, that is totally from girl. her perspective. Yeah. If she's curious, she's going to be kind of, you know, she's combing through those interactions as well. I mean, right. an adolescent girl with deep intimacy problems already. Right. right. Yeah. Even prior yeah. to, you know, a sexual relationship kind of intimacy. Who, who wouldn't switch bodies intimacy. with their mother? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I probably would pass. I would yeah. Be, that that would, wouldn't be the first The guy my choice. mom's with, come on. <laughs> <laughs> but I did love the moment where she took over the uh, young boy's body and just like beat the ever living living shit out of it those was, girls that were messing yeah. with it. Terrifying, like, yes, yeah. yes. I think that you and know, then swap back like he did it. Yep. That episode really shows you the the things that you always wondered about her powers. I'm like, so what other weird shit happens when you switch bodies? Like that episode really kind of gave you like, 
oh yeah, there's huge ramifications every time you did that. Yeah. Well, there for are ramifications for the people that fucked with her. Because they could have been nice and she wouldn't have bothered them. But this True. was her finally getting back at all of them. And that was the lesser of all the evils that she could have potentially done. Yeah. Those right. girls were hit with a lacrosse stick and then he got detention. So what? <laughs> yeah. She can't touch anybody. And right. she she's like bullied. A every problem day. emblematic of a lot of things where he was on the swim team and he'd be of those girls in language and give you detention for a Oh while. god. Oh. <laughs> uh, everything's Well, he's sad got a, a good career in front of We don't want to mess with his <laughs> oh, gosh, career. He's going places. Come on, guys. Uh, I made a mistake. I do like Sid exploring her powers now, though, mm-hmm. in Division Three and like and the scene where the she's with the stuff, with the yeah. cat mm-hmm. and she's like, I'm practicing. Mm-hmm. I don't understand. Maybe this is a little bit blue for me. But as far as like the intimacy between her and David, why don't they just swap and then do it? I think she just says it makes her uncomfortable because she says even hugging makes her uncomfortable. I guess. I guess yeah. like any sort sort of physical touch for her. She feels is odd. she feels safe in I the mean, mind building space. Building it up and she's starting with a cat to build up that confidence. Maybe that's kind Maybe. of yeah. the lowest. I could see that making sense totem. too. Yeah. And cats are fun, so, you know, why not? Cats are fun. And yeah. and cute. I know, she was, like, a little I have to, resi- I have to resist certain temptations. Oh. She's like, that's pretty, that's pretty good. It's a good line, yeah. I know in that first season when they're on the dock, Sid and David talking about the swap. The swap, yeah. And he was like, well, I have to admit that I did have to use a restroom. I didn't look anymore the one yeah, I had to. Right. And then she was right. just like, well, I... And then she made the jerk off yeah. motion. And you're like, sick. And you're like, yeah. you are very uncomfortable with any type of physical intimacy, even yeah. though that's a guy that you love. Uh, you know? So, I mean, there's certainly more to the exchange on her end than just a physical change. Mm-hmm. Because right. we did see throughout the first season that she was only able to... Um, really hone in on what David was seeing because of the swap. Yes. So that could be yeah. an aspect as to why she doesn't do it just all willy-nilly because she's taking on all this other information that yeah. you might not necessarily want to carry around with you. Part that's of that, so, I think, though, fair. was her touching Farouk. Was was her when she swapped with David while he still she got some Farouk in, her, in, her, in his mind? That's I think true. some of that was transferred to her. Mm. So I, I think now that Farouk is no longer in David's mind, it's at least safer. But we don't know. Yeah, maybe. We, we don't, don't know. know. We don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I really loved in that episode, the Sid episode, with uh, the museum, going back mm-hmm. and back to the museum. Because the museum, when you go, of course you're there to look at the art, but you're also there to look at the people looking at the art. Right. And it's just an endless that. mirror. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Four years worth of that. <laughs> yeah, you could totally speak to the stamper. But yeah, it's like the most applicable place to people watch because the people in the museum themselves also kind of become the art for the day when they're in. And yeah, just having Sid, having that be like her safe space, I thought was very cool. So as someone who has worked at a uh, art museum for four years, mm-hmm. how many times have you seen couples just full on making out? <laughs> You'd just be fucking going for it. All the time. You'd really? I'm not surprised Especially by those neon lights, And it was funny because sure. where, where I worked, there were specific places there is this one gallery by Gerhard Richter and it's just a series of these almost opaque mirrors and people would just like aggressively make out with each other surrounded Jeez. by well themselves. I guess I could see the mirrors thing like it's some, probably you know, pretty cool like that. but <laughs> and then we installed these like couches these like huge oh, make couches. Out couches oh yeah disgusting watch out with that new electrical exhibit oh, people are gonna <laughs> be, be you know, all kinds of weird excited. stuff in yeah. there 
Oh god. I love the the line where he's just well, you know, the lines where he's just like, "Oh, I figured it out. I understand what it means." It's so emblematic of like when people go to art gallery, they're like, "So yeah. what do you think that means?" Right. And it's just yeah. and that's the whole idea. It's right. him being like he's looking at art, which is her life. Her life is is a beautiful art in itself, as tragic as it is. And I mean like, "Oh no, I figured it out." Oh yeah. no, I figured it out. It's like someone looking at paintings like, "Oh yeah, no, it's about this." Well, that like, you know, fuck, fuck you. That was like a major part of working at the museum too. It's like you can look, but you cannot touch. And that's mm-hmm. all of what Sydney is. True. And even though they kept going back to the museum, she would say, no, it's not about this place. It has nothing to do with this place. That yeah. just so happens to be where it is. And I love when David thought he understood. Or actually, it was when he times. first approached her and he mm-hmm. said, what do you enjoy about this painting? And she's like, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, you know, it's someone in so much absent space. They don't have arms. They don't have legs. They're just floating there. And she was like, that's kind of what I like about it, you know? It's just right. like, whatever. There's a comfort there for her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I suppose there is that comfort, but it I didn't see it as having a heavy hand in that whole relay of moments with her. Gotcha. All right. Well, we definitely dove into that Zit episode, which I think is one mm-hmm. of the most captivating episodes. Yeah, definitely. Of this first half of season two. And we talked a lot about the first episode, and the second episode had a lot of the carry swapping. Mm. So I think on the second half, we'll dive into the maze episode, yep. and then that final episode, uh, episode oh. five, that we're caught up on right the now. Yeah. That's a good mid-break. Yeah, and probably get into maybe more Farouk stuff as well. Oh, let's yeah, yes. Yes. Please. That's going to be the point. We got we to fill some breaks. And the monk. And the monk. <laughs> we ain't even started yet. <laughs> Short-lived, the monk. But anyway, thank you so much for listening to the first half. We'll get into the second half shortly. Come on back. Hello. Welcome to another episode of It's Fitz, where Story Screen's film laureate, Brian Robert Fitzgibbons, speaks on a film. Today... Fitz will discuss the 2010 Christopher Nolan film, Inception. Inception? Sounds familiar, but like, is that that movie with, um, my man Leo? Yeah, Leonardo DiCaprio. And, um, that girl from Juno. (laughs) It's like just, I'm summing up, like, who's in these movies. I don't remember who directed it, Christopher Nolan. Damn. Funny. Um, saw it once. It's like, it's about, I don't even fucking remember what it's about. It's like going into dreams and it's kind of like the Matrix, but it's not. Probably not. Um, I just, I think I caught it on TV recently and it looks kind of cool when the city's it's like a puzzle or something. I don't know. But like, yeah, it lost me. Wasn't into it. I'd rather see The Dark Knight. This has been another episode of It's Fits. For more on Inception from the Story Screen family, check out episode 65 of our podcast. the second half of the season two first half of legion we are primed and ready 
to get into mm-hmm. all kinds of nonsense and just like a maze, go on some pretty big Ooh. tangents, Ooh. as you can imagine, as we do in this group. Mm. What? What? Not us. Tangents. <laughs> what do you mean? Going in weird places. We're definitely not going to be a autonomous <laughs> garden, just like by himself forgetting what Cutting we're saying. Roses. Maybe. But yeah. I would. Would you? So yeah, let's get into sure. that. So episode three is all about David coming back to find that D3 has been kind of taken over by the monk. And we haven't really gotten into the monk, so we can get into that too. Monk's a yeah. little short-lived. I thought he was going to be Very around. Very short-lived. I thought he was going to be around for a little bit he's longer. He's on the outskirts, for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you think he's going to play a bigger role. Exactly. And he does. And it's just like, splat. I, <laughs> I I'm like, afraid of death. I like that scene, though, with the monk. Showing with David. The monk, both, both the monk um, being tied onto... Fukuyama. Uh, Fukuyama. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was weird. That was cool with him floating in the air. That was and he really had cool. the tendrils like, in his head. how was he floating? Did he have powers? I didn't think he was floating. I think he was like, he was kind of like ninja latched onto ninja the Like crouching tiger? I mean, I don't know. It's Legion. <laughs> <laughs> that you know, could be the answer for anything. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't Monks know get up some, to some weird shit. But it was kind of crazy. Know. He like hooked himself up. Almost like he was the USB port to a computer. Well, that's the whole idea yeah. of Fukuyama, isn't oh, it? Oh, sure, but that's right. Fukuyama. But yeah. then the monk was able to well, just tap right monk... into that frequency and it's mm. kind of like, what the I heck? mean, the monk also has the kind of brain parasite in a way. Mm-hmm. He, has, he has the contagion in him. Oh, but also the monk didn't really speak until later on and he used the vermilion to speak for him and mm-hmm. also Fukuyama in that one scene. Right. I don't think he has I think he's like a mute or maybe all the monks. No, but he did speak. Well, on no, the he's speaking to but he's but he's his, mind, his, his his sound didn't match his own voice. It mm. was like he was like rah, rah, That's and true. I really like, the whole... like I love that. Odd, I love that yeah. too. It's a, like like throat singing. Mm. Basically, That's what he yeah. Like. It's almost like David was like making sense of what he was saying his mm-hmm. mind was saying to him, and, and that's what we were hearing. Right, right. And it's another one of another example of just a kind of simple editing technique that mm-hmm. they're doing, like to voice make distortion, sound you know? very cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Also, one of those things that even though we're all a little confused by it, we don't need an answer. Just like that was really cool, right? And yeah. Just accept we, it. We got what you were saying. If you do anything in like what that astral plane space is, I'm like, oh, I, I buy it. Yeah, whatever. whatever <laughs> so yeah. into it. Yeah. But yeah, he was up there, and they've also said that the Vermilion are essentially speaking Fukuyama, but they aren't really entities in their own right. They're almost just yeah. like androids. Right, but they're extensions of him right. in a way. Right, right. right. He's so, also seeing through them. Is that, that's what I took him like flipping I, through his the cameras. Well, well, I think are, that yeah. there's a Fukuyama, or Fukuyama, and then they're like, it's like how ants. Think mm. via hive mind, mind. Yeah. exactly like they're a mm-hmm. hive mind. Like he is a stationary, or he is like a unit, but he does he has other units speak and do work for him. He's it's like a, he's the queen essentially, right. synthetic mm. hive mind. Yeah, he was. I mean, the Vermilion were speaking for him when <coughs> he was more or less introduced mm-hmm. during that whole um, almost. It's it's odd to say monologue because there were three of them chiming in in regards to Fukuyama's kind of origin story about how when he was very young. There was the computer component added. Yeah. They were speaking about his childhood, right? Because they said, when we were a boy, yada, mm. yada, yada, we bled and we cried for days, blah, blah, blah. That was Fukuyama a... explaining mm-hmm. how he came to be, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if he's a mutant or not. I mean, I mean maybe like a synthetic three, mutant. A perhaps. Mutant. I mean, or maybe like his body 
was able to take synthetics better than others. I don't know. I mean, like, Division right. 3 has proven that they're not afraid to use mutants because they had the man with one eye mm-hmm. in the other season. So, mm-hmm. like, you know, they're not anti-mutants. They're just anti-dangerous mm-hmm. mutants. Or they, they, like they feel they like to control mutants, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're not like in other X-Men properties where it's kind of like zero. We don't, we don't, fuck, with, we don't fuck with any of them. Yeah. He felt to me more like maybe an experiment Gone as awry. opposed to like an yeah. actual genetic mutation. Obviously, he wasn't a genetic mutation that was human implemented. What happened yeah. to him? I mean, well, most likely. It's hard, it's hard to say. I mean, Colossus is all metal. Well, I was going to say it's, it's Wolverine. No, like, but Wolverine not, had the bones not, at first and then was given the steel. My point is that it was his mutation that allowed the experiment to actually work. Mm-hmm. no he right he right it's a a good point i think though also it's not vastly important it's not Mm -hmm. explicit i would like to know though it's one of those we haven't been given much yeah agreed (laughs) like a lot of what legion is doing is it's giving you these things and then leaving them just vague enough that you can fill in your own kind of yeah reality of what's actually Mm -hmm. going on here and it's careful never to be too specific about any of that stuff Mm -hmm. like and that's how i think it avoids a lot of the like comic book lorey kind of traps Mm -hmm. like because it's being purposefully playful and vague in that space where it's just you know giving you fukuyama has these vermilion but even within like the narrative you know uh david asks uh, Patonomy, how many of them are there? And he says, like, no one really knows. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. they, they leave all these things open enough so that, you know, they're never over-explained. The show right. has a deep respect for the audience. A lot of shows yeah. don't let the audience... A lot of shows, and even movies, don't treat audiences member, audience members like they're smart. Mm-hmm. And I think Legion has the highest respect for you for watching it. Like, mm-hmm. I think Legion very much, like, respects your time and teaches you and presents you with things and i think we don't see like even like shows like i really like the first season of westworld i, I was just two. gonna bring up westworld but i think the first season of westworld it's a little it's a little handholdy at times and then there's other times where they just kind of like <laughs> westworld wants i've been thinking about this a lot because you haven't watched any season two right no, I've i don't watched know all right. season two. okay so okay. No. how did bird do, do you feel kind of similar in that regard uh I have a very specific point to make that I think Westworld wants the audience to think it's smart. Mm -hmm. Westworld is the Mm -hmm. puzzle box for beginners and it wants you to feel like it's treating you smart. But at the same time, the show is not as smart as it's trying to be or trying to make the listener or the the audience feel like they are. (laughs) Right. The the viewer feel smart. Like it's, it's a handholdy puzzle box, and yeah. I just I don't think it respects the viewer in the same way that Legion does. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, just by the fact that I don't think the writing is as good. I don't think the mystery is as good. Mm-hmm. And I think they're like trying too hard to go for that kind of like heady sort of space. Whereas like going back and forth between watching these new Westworld episodes and watching Legion, it's like it's really I think part of my my lack of enjoyment in Westworld season two right now is seeing how much better of a job Legion is doing at creating this mystery and and also dealing with the same sort of themes of consciousness and mental state right I think Westworld season two already in these first three episodes and I thought the first episode was already pretty indicative of it 
It's like, ooh, they are just kind of like writing themselves into a corner. For sure. No. And really? they're not really knowing how to get out. I love that first season so much. Yeah, and Legion is, is never going to write itself into a corner no. because it's open. It's, it's so open. It's endless. It's the playground. Well, or even they it's the li- mind. They retconned Lenny back and forth like three times now. And like, yeah. that, and I don't mean they did that because they wrote themselves in a corner. I think it's very deliberate what they're doing. Right. But even like, you know, they made us think that this character wasn't real. Only a whole like you know season later to be like she's a real it, person she might have been a real person what does it mean for the cut to to the big fat guy called Lenny who was trying or Benny yeah. right Benny, like, what is Benny. so is, and it how did Benny like, become Lenny seems instant. like Benny's the fake one and Lenny's the real one and one was accepted more than the other but it's not because Benny was perceived by um, Philly. Oh, Philly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. His girlfriend. No, I still subscribe to Benny it's was real his person. real drug dealer. Lenny was a, a junkie that he addict. met at Clockworks. Oh, uh, and then they manipulated it so after rewrite the memories. I buy, I buy that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could buy that for sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, I'm I'm glad you brought up Westworld because yeah. I, yeah. I think like these two shows kind of contrast each other, and I think from the giving your audience respect and letting your audience come to their own conclusions, yeah. but also playing with the themes. In order to let you come to the own, like the idea of perception and and creating reality, mm-hmm. it's so up to the viewer. And like Legion is tying that meta narrative back into itself in a very deft way. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. that the writing on Westworld is just not even on the same level. Right. I mean, I haven't seen the second season of Westworld, but in talking about the handholdy aspects of it, that's a little upsetting. Because what I love about Legion is that there is the ambiguity mm-hmm. and yes. that little bit of frustration that keeps us it's almost like we're in a race us and the show we're trying to guess what's going to come next because the show gives us little breadcrumbs as to what Mm. might come and it's like oh it's got to be this or it's got to be this there's a it's like an array of things that could come and then it shows us and it's like oh my god of course Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. wait what (laughs) and again like the show kind of like it 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 leads to that conclusion and and in the times where it pulls the wool over your eyes it's not trying to like trick you make you feel bad it's kind of just being like no we're gonna give you something really good you've been paying attention we're gonna give we're gonna like we're gonna basically unwrap this present for you but sometimes it is though because the whole perception that we had of lenny we were taught to think of lenny the same way Mm -hmm. and now it's completely changing what actually is was happening with lenny the whole time it's Mm -hmm. changing our perception of lenny in the same way that they talk about deception in the beginning of the show. <clears throat> I mean, like, I could buy that Lenny has never been real, but Farouk made her real. I don't. I totally buy that. And gave reading. her a backstory? I think so, too. Uh, I, think, I think the whole giving her another body again and her desire to get back to a physical body kind of... Oh, I guess well, they, they, had to, they had to take her DNA from a body in the desert. Mm, yes. Lenny so was, was, a, body Lenny was a physical yeah, person was a in Clockworks. Which really bummed David. me out to find out. And she definitely... Yeah, she got murdered. <laughs> she definitely wound up in that wall, for yeah. sure. Made me feel a lot better when I thought that that was just a no. vision of Farouk no. dying yep. in a wall. We, we all felt that way. I think it would have been even crazier that, like, the theory that, like, he just, like, made a consciousness, like, could even show the, the power of mind over matter and, like, how powerful Farouk is, but... Well, I guess but my he confusion... Needs weird, he needs that weird gun thing, I guess. The, yeah, yeah, my that's, confusion... That's when technology comes into play. Yeah. yeah, it came from the fact that Lenny apparently existed, had a physical form, other people saw her. 
Yeah. Benny also had a physical form. Other people, people saw, saw Benny. Mm-hmm. But no one saw King. So King the dog, when Amy is like, mm. we didn't have a dog. Right. That's why I was like, oh, Farouk can make bodies appear to people who he wants to see. Yeah. Well, I mean, in that case, David is perceiving the, the dog, dog. Right? Right. And right. David is the only one perceiving the dog. So the dog is only real because it, it's perceived it. Because I thought that was young mind Farouk. Is processing. Like, couldn't quite make a physical form yet, but then he learned to make one later. I think he's but, just... Or he didn't toying. sap enough energy, at least. Right. Or also, right. he couldn't present too much to David at such a young age. Exactly. Because yes. he right. couldn't like, possibly comprehend yeah. what it was. He had to almost groom him throughout Ooh. his lifetime. Yeah. But in accordance to Farouk's timeline, his mm-hmm. time with David was like a blink. Oh, for sure. Right. Right. For sure. Could have even been longer. I mean, like, he's in a... By, when he's latching himself... The tape room. When he's latching himself <laughs> onto David, like he is in a weakened state, we'd imagine, right. after getting beaten by mm-hmm. supposedly well, Charles Xavier, yeah. David's father, mm-hmm. whoever. Um, but I like, don't know. I just got like mm-hmm. bold. It's like Voldemort. When you hear when, when you he say like it. loses his body and he's just a spirit Absolutely. has to attach to I mean, like it's I a totally, lot like Voldemort because his body, except there's one Horcrux and his it's his body. You know, mm-hmm. it's it is very similar. <laughs> that way. It's annoying to hunt outside him. So yeah, we're just gonna short it down. He's got all of his you guys glass. It'd be his glasses, uh, his suit, <laughs> and then they just chop his body up in the weird places. They didn't uh-huh. find that. What I love too about um, Farouk and Oliver's dynamic is that, from what I understand, Farouk doesn't have any power over the physical realm. He only has power through his host. So there's that whole scene where Oliver is pulling up um, Len- what we assume to be Lenny's body in the mm-hmm. desert. And there's Farouk sitting in the dark with his sunglasses on and he's drinking tea or maybe he espresso or something. sunglasses at, at night. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then he goes, I'm tired of this. And he gets up and he almost like pulls the casket out. Yeah. yeah. But he's just a, he's just a conscious presence. So what I'm assuming, because Oliver has that power. Oliver doesn't have that I disagree. Power. Well, because- Oliver has... A psychic power. But not telekinetic. Right. However, he is present in the realm. I think it's when they're, when the they're put Shadow together. King only has power really in the astral plane and over whatever host he is inhabiting. I don't... He snaps people out of reality constantly. Sure, but that doesn't have any power over the physical realm and actually moving objects. He's disintegrating people's Matter. bodies. But that's through someone else. Right, but that was through Lenny and Oliver and David. But Oliver doesn't have the power to disintegrate people. But Oliver does have mutant capabilities. Okay, maybe David has together. What I'm saying is, like, he's the host. Farouk doesn't have a physical presence outside of the host, apart from his ability to manipulate consciousness and what that person is perceiving. Mm -hmm. And in that realm, he is all powerful. He's omniscient, omnipotent. And he can do more or less whatever he wants. But when it came down to the science behind him being able to pull that casket out of the ground, even though he's living within Oliver, that's kind of what left me thinking, huh? Well, yeah, I think he needs a host. He need, Like, he can't stay outside of a body. He needs a host. But I think he has physical, he has telekinetic powers over the physical realm channeled through the host 
I it's, could I could get down with that. So the, the <laughs> thing that confuses me, and like this is kind of the way I walk through it, and why I'm, I am kind of confused as to why Oliver can like disintegrate people out of there. Mm-hmm. It's the, the same, which is exactly the same thing that David does. But when the he thing goes to I the thought the reason that David was special is because he was a telepath who was so powerful he could manipulate matter. But, right, and then let me let me walk through it. So I thought that's why I thought, and that's the reason. Like when Farouk is partnered with David. That's when he has the ability to manipulate matter, a.k.a. disintegrate people or put people through the floor or do things like that. And I thought that uh, Oliver was a telepath, but in the way that, like, Charles Xavier couldn't really, like, move stuff with his mind, but they can, like, communicate in the astral plane and, like, manipulate the minds and, like... But they can't, like, manipulate matter. They can't lift things like the Force or something like that. That's, like, a... I think it's pretty simple. I think both Farouk... And David have the, that power. That power. So to when they're together, matter. it's super yeah. powerful. And then Farouk's with other people, he can do that. Manifest right, which is why them. he still has the same powers whether he's in David or in Oliver. Okay, I can I can buy that. I mean, we could also talk about just as humans, we only have a certain percentage of capabilities with our minds. And there's this, mm-hmm. what is it, like 10% that we have... A, there's nothing lent to that. That's a it's a little mojo jojo. Kind sure, of stuff. but what I'm saying is like if Farouk has power over one's mind, he could tap into whatever he sure. wanted to. Yeah, yeah. Sure, that's all I'm gonna say. Yeah, the two percent of your brain power thing is not as cut and dry as some of those. Definitely not. Limitless. Definitely not. Yeah, it's not <laughs> limitless. It's not Lucy. That's for sure. Um, God, did you see that movie, Lucy? No, I have no, I have to no desire to see that. Scar Jo? As Scar Jo mm-hmm. kicking ass. That movie was to too stuff. bad to watch on a plane. Oh, Oof. no. Wow. Yeah. That means, did you, you have to pay for it? Just go to bed, huh? Just go to bed. No, no, I, I mean, I paid for the plane ride. So, yes. <laughs> I did not pay In for the way, movie yes. explicitly. You paid for right. all those in-flight movies. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a bad review. <laughs> that's what that is right there. I did not enjoy it. Two planes, thumbs down. Yeah. No, I agree, though. I think as long as he has a host that has the frequency that he needs, he can yeah. exhibit his powers. Right. It's okay. like, he's like well, I also, your radio coming out of your car. Yeah, because he only really goes for people with psychic abilities. Well, that's I the think thing they is... Can, they can only handle him. That's right? the thing, yeah. yes. Mm. I don't think anyone without pretty powerful psychic abilities could host Is that why Farouk. when he was in Lenny, he had to, like, jump ship pretty quick? I mean, I'm sorry, when he was in... Um, Carrie. Sid. Sid and then Carrie. And then Sid. Sid. Yeah. Oh, okay. He had to, like, he had to leapfrog, otherwise there would, like, but again yeah. this goes back to my point like it's leaving these details ambiguous enough that we can kind of fill yeah. in the blanks on mm-hmm. our own right. i still think it's fun it just gets a little confusing when like when now that we have four people unpacking it we figured it out but when it was just me watching it i'm like it's how cool that oliver's disintegrating these people but how but i also think why? part of what the show does regularly all the time is present things to you in a matter that is making it purposefully a little bit more um confusing to the audience Mm -hmm. just to give you that sort of sense of you know we're all mad here again like it's Mm -hmm. sort of as the viewer you're supposed to be a little bit disoriented with what's going on because it's giving you that kind of feeling of the psychosis Mm -hmm. that these people are dealing with yeah Mm -hmm. i think it does a great job of putting you in the headspace of david you're like, well, I don't know what this means. Like, this is, all right, this is think about we're it bouncing all over the place. Yeah. This is kind of crazy. It's confusing. It's yeah. it's disorienting. But it's all on purpose. And a lot of the editing, I think, is to be disorienting to give you right. that sort of feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. That's fair. 
Let's uh, dive into these mazes, the individual mazes. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, there were really only the three. Well, you right. have Potonomy. Potonomy. Carrie. Nope, we're not no, brought Carrie. into Carrie. That's, that's Carrie was helping No, sorry, Potonomy. Melanie. 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 Yes. And, and Sid. then Sid, but we find out yeah. later that she wasn't in a She wasn't in the maze. Right. So Potonomy so and Melanie. Melanie. Mm-hmm. Weird that we only got two. Potonomy was very, very short. Yeah, kind of I also don't very necessarily athletic. think this is the last time we're going we'll see to the mazes. The mazes. See this, yeah, because they keep talking about the contagion that happens in mm-hmm. the future, and True. they said it stems from the monk. Well, I don't know. But I have a theory. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, yes. What's, go now's on. the time What's to talk up? about Should we the talk theory? about this now? Should we talk about how well, older Sid appears and she's missing an arm? And when she sees David, she's so shocked at how sweet and kind he is and how she never thought that he'd be that same David she knew again. And how he's potentially the ominous evil that she is referring to. alluding to. Yes. I think yeah. for sure. I think sure. David is the... You know, and again, it goes back to the signs that you see the green hands mm-hmm. pointing to him. Like, David is going to become this the issue. bigger Monstrous. evil than Farouk. Yeah. If not evil, then something is going to happen and well, it seems, he'll be the cause of something bad. I mean, the reason Sid wants Farouk's consciousness and body to connect, what I gather from that is because she knows that David will constantly need a nemesis and right. some like a checks and balances mm-hmm. because with Farouk entirely gone, David is only left with his unlimited powers and oh, yeah. his unlimited personalities. We don't know the multitude that he resides within him, but mm-hmm. we know there are whispers. We know for the most part, they're kind of talking him through certain situations, but it could yeah. turn bad. It well, could turn bad. Sid also says, yeah, that the pain and the struggle is what is going to help them win this battle. Mm-hmm. It's what makes them them. And without a nemesis, David struggle. He doesn't mm-hmm. have a struggle. Right. Yeah. And so that kind of takes away who he, he is. drunk with power. I, he, he could be. We'll come back to this when we talk about episode five a lot. But I mm-hmm. think the events of episode five are going to change the way that David acts. Absolutely. Ooh. Absolutely. Yeah, because he's going to start gunning for Farouk. But also, when it comes back to our being introduced to future Sid, she just plainly says, a week from now, you're going to bash Farouk's head in, Mm -hmm. in the desert, and kill him. Has it been a week? We don't know. But Farouk is playing into this timeline that doesn't necessarily have anything to do with future Sid telling him anything. So as far as we know, Farouk is playing into the timeline that leads to what happens. Right. Yeah. It's the inevitability of time. It's whether, you know, how you subscribe to time travel. Right. Like, is a future thing telling you to do the thing, making you cause that future? Right. Or Or trying to dissuade you from... from yeah, causing but that future, wouldn't yeah. make sense in that case because in this case Sid knows that future version of her is talking to David. So yeah. like if Sid knew, in. if future Sid knew that, like if this David was like a time her. loop kind mm-hmm. of, it wouldn't really make sense, right? Because right. David told Sid, right? I one thing while we're talking about future Sid. One of my favorite editing techniques to come come back to this is the way that they use light the on her face. Mm-hmm. It changes the age of her right. as yeah. it rotates constantly, her and, face. and it's it's you know you can tell there's makeup on the actress's face, but using the constantly moving lighting kind of 
obscures the makeup job a little bit and mm-hmm. makes it that much more surreal feel mm-hmm. like that whole mm-hmm. scene in the orb is much more surreal and you can you can't perceive sid as well because of the way it, the light changes how her face looks it's incredible and all it is is that they're just so moving simple. lights around mm-hmm. and it's you get such a massive effect out of it mm-hmm. and they have not told carrie explicitly that Yes, you probably made this orb, right? Carrie just has inklings yes, of like, yes. I think well, I made this. Well, he's taking her apart and he's like, it seems like I made this. Yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. So that does lend itself to him making it in the future, right. capturing David so that Sid could relay Pass the message. On this message. Right. right. Mm-hmm. But then we're still not necessarily told what has happened to David throughout that remaining year that he was gone. Well, we start the season on chapter nine. We're missing uh, chapter nine. Is chapter eight in season one? Oh, fuck you, Robbie. Fuck myself. See you later. <laughs> that would be a cool twist if that was like. I thought it was kind of like it was cool, and then like you know, eventually we get chapters one through or something like that. You know, gotcha. gotcha. Nah, that makes more sense. We already got chapter one through. No, Sorry, there were you know he was holding back information about what he did remember, but even what he right. did remember doesn't lend itself to. A year's worth of being gone. Yeah. And we've only gone in the orb and then the club. Right. Right. I mean, it well, kind of like ends there with me saying that because we're not. Yeah. Well, and also the, the carousel, like that. Also oh, yeah, there is that scene too. But still, snippets is really. Oh my God, the have. way that that whole episode opened up. Because I was streaming it, I thought for sure I had missed an entire episode. Because (laughs) they just, when they opened up on the carousel, no, it was the second one. They opened up on the carousel and all of a sudden David's on board with helping Farouk find his body. And there's Lenny licking a lollipop (laughs) and there's Oliver just like idly riding his horse and they're chit-chatting about whatever. And I was like, oh my God, I missed something. What's going on? No, it was just like, that's just the way the show is. It's like, boom, this is what's happening. You're in a dream world. It's just make sense of what you can, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, David fully buys into helping Farouk mm-hmm. get his body back. I Only because Sid, that, Sid tells him. Because Sid tells, Sid him, tells him, him to. Yeah. Yes. Otherwise, he, he would not do that. Right. Mm-hmm. Going back to the character beats that you were talking about in yeah. the first half, I will say that when Heath was in boot camp, mm-hmm. he was gone for three months. When he got back, it was... Like, I had known him for a while, obviously, up until that point. But when he got back, he was a different person. Yeah. And he had gone through things that I had no no part of whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was, like, kind of weird getting to know him again as, like, this different person. Yeah. I mean, and that's so, what boot camp does, right? It kind of breaks down, puts you back together. True. Yeah. True. But I think when you go through it at, like, 26 or 27, you're a little more, like, wherewithal. Yeah. To keep yourself together. A little together. more grounded, so to speak. Right, yeah. right. But it was definitely strange. And conversation yeah. wasn't, like, stunted, as you were saying earlier. Mm. But, yeah, getting to know, it's like, almost like David went to war without her. Mm. And yeah. she's just, like, getting to know him again. Sure. I mean, she's or a little, like, like she hesitant. Went to war. Or she went to war. Yeah. 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 He was, like, that thing that's kind of more what it seems like. Yeah. Holding yeah. her breath. Frozen in this time. Yeah, waiting yeah. for the, the kettle. The kettle scene. Oh, my God. It's so good. Mm-hmm. So sad. That happened again later with um, Melanie. With Melanie, right after she has the the, the she on the didn't bother lamp. to pick up the kettle. No. And what I love, of, I don't know, love is the wrong word, but um, but I do feel for in. Melanie. Yeah, uh-huh. I'm very interested because during that we're gonna obviously go back, but during that scene where Melanie is talking about our men leave us, blah blah blah. David doesn't necessarily choose to leave out of selfish reasons. It's almost he has to go. 
Right. But with Oliver, when we're introduced to his storyline, he wants to be in that cube state in the astral plane, and he kept going, and then he wanted to stay longer, and then he just never came back. He's just he's a man addicted to his work. He's like a historian, and now he's he's met like one of the best historical specimens ever, and now he's latched onto it, or it's latched onto him. Right. Mm -hmm. He's both, I think, infatuated fascinated by Farouk but also understands that like by being so close to your enemies he can say things like I'm going to kill you. So we're talking yeah. about this right now because in first season he could not have cared less about Farouk. Or he was anything, so or detached. Anything. Yeah. Yeah, he was just like oh there's a little monster yeah. out there he can't get you in here don't worry. No, you're cool. But it's almost like if we look at that moment where Oliver had the power to keep Farouk out and Farouk's like this like pest trying to get in. I love that part. It's where so he's silly. Like, That's what I'm talking about yeah. in regards to the silliness of that, like how that was depicted. Yeah. But we're also looking through David's gaze at that point. And I think when Farouk was depicted as the demon with yellow eyes, it was David's anxieties and his fears. And it's presented scarier. Whereas in that situation where David's safe, it's a little silly to say. Right, exactly. Yeah. But now, mm-hmm. Oliver and Farouk together, I feel like they are amazing opponents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, there was an... Um, I actually had to do a lot of background work on... Because um, after Oliver mm-hmm. said, I'm, you know, I'm going to kill you, you know. Yeah. And Farouk was like, oh, haha. And then Oliver's like, what were we talking about anyway? Mm. So he's slightly coming back to... Because in that yeah. moment, the reason he said, I'm going to kill you is because he thought, oh, Melanie... Because he yes. was talking about the idea of morality and life and death. And then yeah. the only reason you might save humanity or anyone is because of love and who you care about. And later we jump to the desert and they're like on this task. And Farouk's like, so let's talk about how you said you were going to kill me. How are you going to do it? And Oliver, you know, said something sly like, yeah. oh, you're not going to know until we're in the moment. And Farouk's mm-hmm. like, oh, give me a hint, won't you? And Oliver goes, I'll um, answer your question with a simple mathematic question. What is one plus one? And Farouk is like, oh, ha, 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 ha. And I had to look it up. And I was like, well, what the fuck does this mean? Mm -hmm. And a lot of what I found is that one and one negate one another. So they, if Oliver were to go for Farouk, they would both have to die. Take each other out. And I would 100% believe that that might be the trajectory. However, David has to play a role in the ending of Farouk, if Farouk is meant to die I mean, at by all. bashing in Farouk's head, is he bashing in Oliver's head? Like, right. You know, what... Well, physically, yeah. Unless yeah. he gets... Unless he gets the remains and then bashes I, that. I think with Oliver... It sticks for an old episode, I don't know. Specifically in season one, him still being in, like, the first time we see him in the astral plane and mm. David shows up, like, he's so... He's been there for so long in just raw astral space for a long time that he's just totally... Separate. In La La Land, mm-hmm. and then it's like Karaoke probably it's probably it's seeing David and seeing Farouk that gets him to like start to come back. And mm-hmm. like you said, you got into it. Like he's starting to come back and have right. those flashes of Melanie and and like have those moments of clarity. Humanity like in between. almost too. Yeah, yeah. Because he's just very disassociated. I think in totally. general, just like when we talk about introspection, this is like a hundred to a hundred times a hundred introspection him just in his own mind yeah dealing with his own thoughts coming to conclusions on his own and then all these other people start encroaching on his space Mm -hmm. right but it's not even as if that sounds like he's upset about it he's like intrigued you know it's almost 
He sees it as a game in ways. Because yeah. right. he's... I think Oliver has more power than we're seeing presented. Mm-hmm. And he's just more or less playing along just because it's intriguing and interesting. I think the reason mm-hmm. that Oliver isn't completely being taken a hold of Farouk is not so much that he's just a telepath. Is that I think that he has a lot of built-in like obstacle courses and hoops yeah. and valleys that Farouk cannot like easily dispatch yeah, of. Yeah. You know, right. yeah, I think that's kind of the issue. And I think that... Uh, yeah, I think that it's not so much like you see Oliver doing dastardly things, but it's it's kind of, I think, the idea that the show also is positing of, you know, killing a few to save many. Mm-hmm. I think that's why Oliver's right. playing along in some ways. It's just like, you gotta go, but this is gonna <laughs> save a billion people. Like, I don't know. Like, right. Because I, I hope the yeah. whole using David's sister to bring back Lenny. We'll yeah. get into that at the very end for sure. Mm-hmm. Like, so I, should, I won't bring well, it up. I don't know. Maybe let's not dive in because we still <laughs> okay. haven't talked about the mazes yet. Really. Okay. Oh, shoot. I was let's just, get back to the mazes. <laughs> I was just going to say that it is. <laughs> We're in a maze. Yeah. Yeah. No actually, kidding. What are you going to say, Bernard? <laughs> oh, it, it would just be a shame because you definitely don't want to think that Farouk is making small mistakes because no. that underwrites his character. Yeah. I don't think that's but the yeah, case at all. Choosing, any choosing Oliver is a very interesting choice because while Oliver is a mutant, he is a very aloof person. He's been dead to the world yeah. for years. I think they have to work with each other a little yeah, bit. Yeah, definitely. That's, that's they come back thing. to life. They're like reawakening each other. I think other. the thing is like Farouk mm-hmm. is just like... I'm not going to try and, like, pull some shit on you and try and, like, turn you into a fucking raisin. And then Oliver's just like, well, I'm not going to constantly try and murder you either. Because... We're going to ride out this fucking Mecca. We're going to ride this thing out. We're going to do this jihad. And we're going to just, like, figure it out. Right. And and it's going to end up where it is. That's something that I love so much. They're on a road trip. Season two's (laughs) portrayal of Farouk as opposed (laughs) to season one, where uh, Lenny was kind of like this force of chaos more or less you know she's almost like she's like the joker kind of in this situation and now this fruit is much more conniving and he's in control and he's precise and he knows exactly what he's doing whereas lenny in season one was just kind of a wrecking ball just like fucking shit up and it's so interesting it's the same villain but portrayed in a completely different way Mm -hmm. and it totally changes the dynamic of that villain. It's like a different prescription. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. It's great. I mean, not to keep harping on Oliver and Farouk. Those are some of my favorite scenes uh, of this season. Because they're so certain. I mean, that one moment where they're sitting outside of just a mining zone which was weird and there's the um you know dead sea donut submarine thing Mm -hmm. and um a weird story thread that definitely comes back around very quickly does it well you find out that amy's Amy's husband is runs the dead Dead sea donuts it doesn't appear before that no but that's why that's kind of what it means like they introduce this like weird thing and then then they kind of answer it pretty quickly well i thought it was so sad too to know that like Oliver was like the forty thousand leagues under the sea, like deep sea diver man. Yeah, and then to see Have that you turn met my friend oh, Jules Verne. Oh my very God. Quickly. Oh, I didn't even think about so that. Sad. He was in the aquatic suit, and there's a submarine. Mm-hmm. Mm, I mean, that's like kind of loose in a way. That's, but that's still there. Yeah, totally there. Yeah. Loose but legion. Totally. Yes. Yes. Wow. But I just that's it. That. I like that's it. It's a good phrase. Loose but legion. <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> 
But I love that whole com- I mean, the conversation they had in the car where I'll, I'll, I guess I did touch on this earlier, but Farouk is talking about morality and Oliver just says, you know, a star exploded and it had no question about exploding. And while it exploded, it took about a hundred planets with it. And the atoms from that explosion are holding this car together. Just the way he speaks with such certainty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To Farouk, who anyone else would be like a puddle, a mess yeah. talking to him. Just that we are equal. Yeah. It's the, the two one, smartest. The one on plus the one level. equals zero. It's the two smartest Because even David would, would be room. like, you know, kind of freaking out, but also taking charge in a way, but through the freaking out. Whereas Oliver's right. just like, this is the way it is. Yeah. yeah David's just kind of like, I don't, uh, what are, <laughs> what, what atoms are that's a very good Dan Stevens confused impression <laughs> yeah he does a quick you, this is a visual uh, gag but you guys if I, if you guys laugh you know yeah. he, does, he does one of these like <laughs> he, does, he does a double all take the all the time and like it's the purse like the purse lips in there take. in there yeah. as well like the, what, what? and then like he does a little bit of uh, a blue steel from Zoolander oh and I'm then bothered yeah. when he does the like smirk thing at this point he's like Mm, I gotcha. And yeah. I'm like, yeah. I'm tired of that. You know what the, wor- I don't the know why. worst like, use of the smirk? David. The worst use of the smirk <laughs> is when he, episode one, when he like, is talking to Sid and he's like, I want to kiss you. She's like, you better. And then they have, <laughs> then so they're banging and then it's like right before a commercial break, it's like Sid in the blue light being all like, sexy, sexy, sexy. And then right after it's, it's David doing the smirk. No, but he's like, <laughs> it's, just, it's like, this yeah. is No, but that's kind of scary too. They had this overhead light and he's looking down and with the smirk, it was almost yeah, it evil was looking. Weird. It's like, it was what are weird. you doing? Well, it's, it's reminiscent to me of the, in the first season where David comes back from, Division three when he save saves Amy and he's now ha, now has this new relationship with Lenny mm-hmm. and His that power has like integral. given him given him a lot more confidence and that's when he's able to go into the white space in the first place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true. Um, yeah. is like there's that dark tinge to the confidence that David has, and I think that is shades of David becoming this adversarial force sure. that leads to yeah. the apocalyptic future. Mm-hmm. Um. Hmm. Had another point about. Never mind. No. Nope. Gone. Gone. Oh <laughs> no no no. Sorry. Back to Oliver and Farouk. Like they they talk to each other like they're the two smartest, two most powerful men in the room, mm-hmm. and everything around them is just kind of like an interesting distraction. Yeah. Um, the two smartest people on a road trip. Yeah, like two you know? two guys who are. Fucking in Mensa or some shit, like taking Too a road, road who trip. Who are also on a road trip. Who are also, yes. <laughs> it's a good thing that um, Jermaine Clement is so, like, Oof. so, so good. charismatic. Oh, yeah. yes. Because these Everything two. He says and also, just like, okay. I, I, I don't know the name of the actor that plays. He looks very skinny. Does he? Season. I think it's his oh. new cream cashmere flannel yes. suit that he doesn't want to mess you know what, up. You know what, Stanford, I think you might be right. <laughs> Go one? back and watch Fly of the Concords and he also looks very skinny. Oh, yeah. like, I guess, I guess, I guess he's never known to be that bulky. It's just his huge he's head. Bulky. He has a big old head. He does have a big old head. <laughs> he's very if I lost a lot of weight, smart. we'd look very similar because my dome ain't getting no smaller. <laughs> <laughs> I guess he'd looked a little bit, maybe, maybe it's just the scuba suit adds a few pounds. Oh, for sure. I At thought he looked a little... 20. 
a little bit thicker than in, in the this first season. season. This Perhaps. season, I, was, I just kept thinking, like, oh, you're so you're so little. <laughs> uh, who knows what Farouk is feeding him? So Farouk's like, uh, feeding all of him. Yeah, yeah exactly. That could be it too. Martinis. Just, true. He's on the liquid diet. He did say that. He did. That is true. Um, he has no concept of time. Mm. Yeah. So Jack, the two smartest people. Yeah, two smartest. Yeah, them. and uh, um, I was gonna say I don't know the name of the actor that oh, plays Farouk. That pulled up. I know it. Naveed. I no no no. You don't know no. it. You wrote it yeah, down. I wrote it Naveed. down, which it's means I knew like, it at that's one point. Like it. Well, let's stamp her house. I'll let you pronounce it for me. Working through it. Okay, Navid Negaban. Yep. Cool. Navid Negaban. He is also extremely charming. For oh, as sure. dangerous and as kind of greasy as he is, like mm-hmm. but he's also he, presumptuous. Yes. I think he presumes that he is smarter than Oliver. He Of course he does. But Oliver probably presumes the same. No, I think Oliver is playing a little role mm. and he's kind of even though he says, I'm gonna kill you, you know. Well he thinks he's Farouk gonna outsmart still him. has this sort of I don't of think he thinks he's gonna arrogant him. outlook. Where it's like, I'm a god, there's nothing you can do to harm me. And Oliver's like, okay, whatever you think. Don't you think Oliver is trying to rattle him? Maybe that he knows that he can take him down, but he's just trying to rattle him and not make it easy for him. I think at some points when there is that um, clarity, Mm -hmm. he knows precisely what is going on. And he knows to kind of twist the Mm -hmm. blade within Farouk. But then he also just... Goes in line. Goes with it. Yeah. He also knows for now that fruit needs him. Mm-hmm. So, but we don't know the end goal because we don't know if Oliver's playing a game. Mm-hmm. And I'd like right. to think that he too is playing his own game. Right. So I'll make I'll all these things that. are subject to change. Oh, of course. <sighs> After that first podcast on Legion season one, yeah, yeah. I know yeah. anything I say is not going. I don't to think, last. I don't <laughs> think we'll ever. We'll never have a predictions episode. Like part no. of the episode. Ever <laughs> Like, no. I'm done trying to guess nope. what they're gonna do. Done. Yeah. But yeah, uh, the games that David was playing in that maze, the the Melanie game broke my heart. Uh, because yeah. I've played those text based. The, ch- video the games. yeah, the text adventure. Yeah, yeah. I thought because that was those so great. fun. I, I thought was, it was cool contextualizing the Minotaur in that way as well. Right. That yeah. was I, really cool. When when he goes up to the terminal and it says like you see a door, I squeal. Yes. And I have, guess we've been there, the yeah. Yeah, and, yeah, he's like, no, like, look no, around do this. first. No, do yeah, this. yeah, that was great. Jump down the hatch, blah, blah, blah. It's like, this is pretty cute. Yeah, and it was just so sad to see Melanie and her to be reduced to, like, the girl who did not have a dream. Mm. Yes. Who then had a dream. And it was, like, forced out of her. She had to, like, battle to find that dream. Oh, and I find and that so, like, rewarding. The mm. kind of poem that David writes for her is beautiful where it ends with you know all her she just wanted what is it she wanted to be at peace or what oh, yeah, yeah. i forget the exact I line he yeah, says she remember. she kind of just wanted to be like known or... no no it's just she wanted to be nothing she just wanted yeah. to be like she, she just, just wanted, wanted to, be. to be that's it she, she just, just wanted, wanted to, be. to be yeah yeah very, very heartbreaking. Yes, that line obviously more she, impactful when you don't watch it for 30 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> right. At one point, she implored David to just take your girl, go live on a mountain, watch the clouds, live your life. Right, yeah. right. And she just like, to But be. the world is going to end. She's like, so what? Have who you have. Yeah. Love who you're with. Right. And right. live your life. It's like pretty easy to say it. Like when this battle is being waged like on the astral plane for the most part, like I feel like it's pretty easy to be like, 
just go. It's enticing for those characters to be like, just fucking go. Someone else just don't tap into the mind anymore and just dip. You know, like Mm -hmm. there's there's something to be said. We know we we know that they will not heed that warning. Yeah, but it is a beautiful notion that they could kind of let all this go. The world would compensate for whatever is going to happen, and those people could live out their lives. Mm -hmm. But with that whole Sid maze not maze situation we come to learn that love isn't the end-all be-all and it is what they have had to endure that makes them ready for what is to come and what is to come seems unbelievably harrowing because what the both of them have gone through most people could not handle and would not function and they found a way to function through their disabilities to create a better outcome or hopefully a better outcome in regards to what is going to potentially happen with Farouk and maybe with David later. We're not sure yet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's it. Heroin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is very sad to see uh, just Melanie kind of, she is a woman who was trying to find a greater purpose and put that greater purpose in all of her. And then she was abandoned. Yeah. And then... She's been abandoned again, and she keeps thinking her greatest life's work is fleeting. And to see her character reduced to, yeah, just like a drugged out state is very I sad. I mean, like it's a sad. non-mutant among mutants, too. Yes. It has to be something of itself, you know? Because yeah. mm-hmm. while she was waiting for him to awaken, she had a purpose. And then right. he was gone again. And yeah. she's probably seeing herself as someone who's just always waiting. Right. Instead of doing so. What's right. the point anymore? Yeah. yeah. I, I like this version of kind of burnt out. No. No, I like the haircut way more. Yeah. The haircut's way better. I saw her haircut like, season you one kind of sucks. Well, well I think long, she held it up all the time. Just put it up. I think like, season one haircut. It probably gets frustrating as a, as a lady of her age. Yeah. yeah. You know, I think she kept it with off. the delusions too. She's yeah. I think she kept it for Oliver. I think that was a haircut that she had when Oliver went under. And then he dipped again. She just kind of cut it And then she's like, all right, well, I'm not going to keep the same facade. That totally makes sense. Also, not Oliver's fault this time. No. No, no, no definitely time. not. Definitely but she not. doesn't see it that way. She sees it in the way of just like I almost lo- had if, what I had. Well, if like if you love me as much as you love me, then why are you running it off doing this thing? Like I don't just know. stay with me. I don't, I don't know that she can even blame him. I feel like she might. To be honest, it's almost like she's been cursed. She feels as though she chose yeah. this life, and this is the hand she's been dealt. And she will always have to deal with being left behind. And yes. she's just tired of it. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's the message she's trying to kind of poison the well with Sid. Right. Yes. Yeah. Like, if you're the one waiting, you're not going to have a positive outcome. Right. Because yeah. even if they do come back, they're going to go again anyway. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And I think that's interesting, the way that plays out with between Sid and David, even before the maze scene with Sid, mm-hmm. or not maze, but... When they're just when she's sitting on his bed and he's like mm. getting changed and she's saying to him like basically you know you left and I didn't know if you're gonna come back again and it's not the first time you that, that you left so now I'm just waiting for you he's she's basically spitting out Melanie's words again right right but then he placates her anxieties with the compass which I totally forgot about until you just right. said that and I right. feel like that's definitely gonna play a role later on well they why show would they her, incorporate that they show her wearing the compass when. She's the future version yes. of her is wearing the compass. It's oh my yeah. god! I yeah. didn't even know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. she had it on. That's why it's kind of. Confu- <laughs> that's why it's almost. Yeah, she had we- it yeah, on. Yeah, she was wearing well, it. Well, it's almost weird that like it's not that it's almost weird. It's just kind of like 
Does she? She probably knows. Like she's in a very specific room when David comes to visit her from the past. So I think it's because that compass kind of mm. like it's kind of tells her where to go. And like maybe in her future there is no David. So when the compass like does a weird thing, she's just like past David's coming through. Who knows? David. Well, hmm. she says it's that. complicated. Yes. She doesn't say whether there's a. I mean, David could go the way of Farouk and just be a consciousness without a body. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. She said it was complicated. I think one of my favorite throwaway lines, it wasn't a throwaway line per se, was when David comes back and Sid says, I like cherry flavored things now. Mm. And because in season one, I like cherry pie. She, yeah, yeah. she does not like cherry anything. At that Ooh, point. Right. And I think that's her way of like saying to David, like, you can change. I can also change. Yeah. Like, don't leave me behind. Or also, also, like, you've so been gone for so passed. long. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. exactly. Because I had a right. conversation today where I was picking up some food somewhere and I, haven't, I hadn't seen this person in about a year. And they're like, so what's going on? I was like, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, also, I'm vegan now. And it's been about a year. And that's when we realized, wow, it's been that long yeah. since mm-hmm. we have spoken about who we are as people because... Something like that's like kind of a major change. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's like, sure. you know, she's suddenly eating cherry pie and it's been mm-hmm. a year since she's she has seen him and right. within a year you can change so much. If you haven't person. seen your significant other in a year and like you know like those intimate things about them, like that's if I was deal. dating someone and they're like, I'm a vegetarian and a year later they're like eating like a hamburger, I'd be like <laughs> What, what happened to you? Yeah, that's about identity. Yeah. <laughs> What's going Don't on? Don't worry, Robbie. I'll are. never do that to you. <laughs> yeah, I was not worried about you. Well, they make impossible burgers now, so we're good. Oh, it's okay. That's eh, all right. Yeah. Pretty good. <laughs> they, not if, worth the have price. Have you tried one of those, Stamper? Uh, what is it called? The, the Impossible Burger? No, I haven't tried that. I've tried the Beyond the Meat. Yeah, Beyond yeah. Burgers are good, but those are actual, like, vegetable, like, made from vegetable yeah. proteins. The Impossible Burger, they actually extract... I think it's called globulin or something like that. It's or they don't extract it, but they produce a protein that synthetic? exists in meat. Yeah, it's a synthetic protein that they produce that is found in meat okay. and use that in their product. Okay. So it's like the most genetically modified. Food. Right. But how do you um, <laughs> Well, I tried I tried it's it like on in Saturday. a beaker and they pour it out and it just turns into hamburger. Oh, at the place where the, the hop new, was. The right? new hop place has them so the not hop was it good the Mala- i personally i would rather a really good like black a, bean yeah. burger than one I thought lab. but I've it is a nice it. it's an interesting curiosity i've okay. tried it and i am not a vegetarian so i have a little bit more context for meat taste than sure. i think jack does for recently it's been a few years so i thought and this is again like we're going to be doing a lot more uh Veggie burger product reviews coming from Edgeson. Yeah, keep it on lock. But um, they have a good veggie burger. Oh, check that out. Okay. Uh, wait, what okay. was that place in Red Hook that you're telling us about? The Wildflower Cafe. But that's just beyond the meat. <laughs> oh, I know we're bearing like yeah. so far away. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Bobby, did you like it or not? I thought meat it was. Or not. I thought it tasted a lot like meat. It tastes, but it tasted more like meatloaf. Oh, but okay. but okay. you could tell that it wasn't. It's like dry. Right. It's a little it's a dry. Little dry. Okay. I don't think there's any amount of sauce I can fix that. It was impressive. But there was also no sauce on there. Oh, that's it was a bummer. I'll tell you. I'll tell you right now. I it was not worth condiments. Nineteen dollars. It was not worth nineteen dollars. It did kind of taste like meat, and I could tell that. It, I also could tell that it wasn't. So that's my review. <laughs> okay. If it was like ten dollars, and someone was just like, "By the way, this burger is vegan," I'd be like, "I don't give a fuck," and I'd eat it still. <laughs> I love fine. that you said. You could tell that it wasn't. Yes. Because in the last episode that we're talking about today. <laughs> hey, good job. Yes. Fill <laughs> it in, girl. Fill it in. 
so multiple times during episode five, when we meet, well, we meet Lenny at the end of meet. episode four. Mm-hmm. Mm, she just and shows up. I was uh, amazed because at the very end of episode four, which is the Sid episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It says FX presents at the end of the episode. Oh, the late, right. the oh super late was so cool. And then it was yeah. Lenny, and she was back, and I was like, Heath, do I have to watch this episode again and like rewind? Was this all backwards? <laughs> well, because, because the beginning of the episode is an extension <sighs> of the Sid maze, right. right? So like you know, it's it's I non-linear think it's time. Not, well, like non-linear Brilliant. time. It's also meta in the way where it's like I feel like the show is being very smart and being like. We don't need to tell you when an episode starts and when an episode, episode ends. ends or... Exactly. Yeah. It's like, or when a chapter begins, it's just like, no, it's our show. Like, we'll show you how it works when it works. Well, like, it's super. They, they specifically put the chapter breaks like wherever they want. They're, right. Like they call it like chapter five, and then they do the you know the next John Hamm narrated sequence, and mm-hmm. that is not at all. It's not like that's always at the beginning of the episode. That's no. wherever it works best for them. Right. That late title card was so cool. Weren't you just like goosebumps? You're like, yo, <laughs> what just happened? And then Lenny is back, and then yeah. we're like, all right, well, we know next With episode. Blue eyes, but white it's almost Lenny. like we're meant. We are being introduced to Lenny for the first time in a way. I felt, and we could be because the way she is as a person is very different from how I felt she was in season one. But then we come to realize that she's not just Lenny. She is incorporating someone else more significant to David. Right. Because they're saying I, something's not quite right. I, her who body, whose body who's, are you in? I love how everybody kept like looking at her and saying, whose body is that? And she's like, I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, which was a good, like, you know, the foreshadowing of like where it goes. Right. But, um... I saw it more as the Lenny that we're seeing in these scenes when she is back in a body, or even prior to that when she's in her drawer. And we see mm-hmm. her in the drawer. Yes. Which, by the way, the scene in the drawer where it's David is talking to Farouk, right? And Lenny is in the background. He he sees Lenny in that space, mm-hmm. and Lenny is asked, begging him to try save to her. Yes, save please. her. Please help and right. with the gun and the bubbles. Well, there's a shot where he's just talking to Farouk and they don't even acknowledge it, but Lenny is just like swinging in the background. Oh, she just, hung herself. She's yeah, trying yeah, yeah. to kill herself. She was she hanging, cannot. she just hung herself and she's just, no one's paying Over attention to it board. or drawing yeah. any attention to it, but like just seen with a noose in the background. It's like, fuck, man. That's. Mm-hmm. She wants that's, out. Dark imagery to just throw in there like that. But anyway. It was so weird to see her start fighting in the first place. Because you're just like, right. what? Because you didn't know who you're she like, was what, fighting. What's fucking going on? Yeah. Like, I thought that she's just a part of this thing, you know? But I see that Lenny and then the Lenny that we get actually in a physical body again as the same Lenny that we saw David interacting with in Clockwork. Clockwork. Like that is the same, like this, that is the same character. Like everything that we saw as Lenny, once she was being manipulated by Farouk in season one is her putting on this like new persona. Or Farouk wearing her as. Yeah. Or, you know, some like she is like talking to David. Also uh, some of the scenes with um, Lenny talking to David when he's in the astral plane, I think that's supposed to be her more like, the character of her at Clockworks, but mm, definitely right. now that she is like that, Farouk is out. Like she says, like he's kind of out of the closet now. Like 
David is aware of real Farouk now. This is supposed to be the Lenny that we we saw in Clockworks. So I, I would the, agree, but yes. also disagree. Yeah. I think the Lenny in the astral plane was the pure consciousness of the Lenny from Clockworks. But now Lenny is in, we know, David's sister's body. Right. And I think that there... And also, Farouk has, as Lenny said, left spiders in my mind. Yes. So her consciousness isn't intact wholly. And she's in a body that is so intimate and familiar with David that there's going to be that weird, probably magnetic connection as we saw when David collapses in the room. And Lenny's immediate reaction is to hold him. Right. Right. So, Jack, my question to you is to use like molested as someone who has tampered with someone else's body. Mm-hmm. Do you think the Lenny that we see in episode one of season one, Clockworks Lenny, OG Lenny that we first see, mm-hmm. do you think that is unmolested or molested Lenny? Well, I by think, Farouk? I think by Farouk, it's unmolested Lenny. Okay. That's what I was. I, but I think about. part mm-hmm. of it is that Lenny was already a pretty damaged character. Absolutely. That's why Farouk. And I think it's, one Winter. little tiny thing that they drop about Lenny is that she's queer. Yes. Which, yeah. That's which, not a little thing. They, they <laughs> drop it multiple times. It's not a little well, thing. Well, it's, they, more conf- it's more they, ambiguous and confusing they drop it. One. They drop it like oh, it's so. only little yeah. tiny bits because... Well, if you think that she's Benny, then... She's constantly talking oh. about being about with women. ladies and stuff. Well, yeah. I, so well but that's the thing. Swing. That's the thing is when they... When they first, the first time she says, I don't swing that way. When she's talking to David. That's already can jerk off, like do a circle jerk. In our mind, in our mind, it's, this is because it's Farouk. This is because it's the demon with yellow eyes with a Lenny face on. But now we know it's actually was Lenny's real personality. So she really was saying like, no, I'm a lesbian. Mm. I'm a lesbian. I don't swing that I'm not interested in men. And then they like... They now that they've introduced <clears throat> Lenny again as as a an as person. a personality that Farouk was manipulating to get to to David, now they're doubling down on like no this person is is queer, um, which I just think is interesting. Mm-hmm. Just to have oh, this is good. I mean, it's the same way as like Clark being a queer characters. Yes, well, mm-hmm. you know? yeah. it's just they it's put in there without being too abrasive not even being abrasive it's, it's put in there without like making it like a focal point it's just right. like right. no people this exist this way this is what normal is right. and yeah. I yeah. Good. Yeah. think the subtlety that they like <clears throat> like introduce it back into her character yeah. is good in that way where it's not just like and they stop everything yay <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. it's just like it's just a thing just no for sure yeah. and I think that the way I read her character in season one was that she was like I don't swing that way because she is Farouk but also like she never really existed, and he's looking at Benny in that a way. Point, yeah, we don't know about Benny at that point. But yeah. It's all twisted. It's all... It's crazy how, like, solidifying her, anchoring a character in something in Legion as, like, this is truth is so wildly helpful. confusing. Well, oh. it, both. I think very helpful. I think helpful and also, like, it raises more, more questions. More questions. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think now that she has a body again, I think David's going to be very upset that it happens to be his sister's body, but I think... She will continue to be a character now. Yeah. Um, what her actual real motivation is. I think genuinely, I think right now it's just confusion for her. Mm-hmm. And I think she is a distraction that Farouk is unleashing upon David, especially using his oh, sister sure. as like yeah. the body. To like that is just to stir, stir David up. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Lenny is 
In and fact, Len- well, Lenny in knows this... that. Lenny knows that too. That's she keeps saying. Right, but I think the Lenny personality is innocent as far as she never had oh, much morally? of a choice about any no. of this. Seems so. Yeah. Her her early backstory that they showed her going to her grandmother's, and it's not like she was a fetal alcohol syndrome baby. But she was eight years old. It's going to do to some her, damage if you drink that many her vodka sodas right. at nine. Right. And showing that she's just like a substance user and that she doesn't view herself as a bad person. She just needs a substance. Right. She'll yeah. do what it takes to get a substance. And Farouk was that substance. Right. Yeah. So it really made her character very sympathetic. And, it, and very believable. In the same way that the show is doing a phenomenal job to destigmatize mental illness, yes. it's it's destigmatizing addiction in that way. Mm-hmm. It's giving context to the idea of addiction through Lenny. Yeah. Right. I mean, even right. David, I mean, they talk about how, you know, David was a quote unquote junkie. Like yeah. he refers to himself as like, remember when we did a bunch of drugs together? Like that is, uh, it, it kind of gets glossed over with kind of the, the grandeur of Legion in general, but he was someone who struggled with addiction. You know? Absolutely. Right. And, but the idea that the show presents is there are specific reasons that brought, that led him to, Go down that path right. of yeah. addiction. We empathize. Know? We empathize right. with these characters, even right. Lenny, and mm-hmm. the representation of how she came to be <clears throat> at Clockworks. Right. As yeah. like kind of sporadic as it was, the grandma, blah blah blah, and then she's there. Even still, we understand that she had this trajectory that was sad and worthy yeah. of kind of understanding, and it doesn't necessarily justify her actions, but right. we understand it. You know, just people relating to people. Right. right. And I think that's something that we haven't maybe talked about as much, but I think in general, Legion does a good job with representation in a lot of different ways, mm-hmm. like in multifaceted aspects of mental illness, in now addiction, and the queer characters that like the, their queerness does not necessarily define them. It's just part of their character. Yeah. Like there is a lot of even, subtle and well done representation going right, on. Right. And even like adoption and how people yeah. who are adopted mm-hmm. struggle with adoption. Yep. Yeah. The feeling of abandonment and whatnot. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially, you know, it's representation of a lot of groups that are marginalized and also stigmatized. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, I think, the show in general, and on top of being a very stylish and interesting mystery, it's, it's doing a lot for actually bringing in good representation there. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. Seamlessly, really. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's it's never heavy-handed with it because yeah. 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 it just integrates so well into the bigger mystery that's going on mm-hmm. that it never feels distracting. It's just it's just there. Yeah. yeah, I think the best, not the best, but a good representation of that is when Clark enters the room where Lenny is being held, and we as a viewer are presented that room upside down yeah and then it's turned around yeah and clark sits down and there's lenny and she goes she starts delving into the whole origin story her origin story but as a viewer you think too like division three maybe purposefully sets up these spaces Mm -hmm. to confuse and to isolate people it's mental torture that room is mental torture 100 percent. and that's what you with a prisoner what do you do is you like especially if you're interrogating a prisoner yeah you break their mind but also insanity does that yeah well, I mean, I think, does that. I think they know that her mind is probably a bit fragile to begin with. Mm-hmm. So putting her in that mind is definitely going to crack her like an egg. Mm-hmm. Which, oh, it's just screens, right? Like that the room roof? probably? The yeah, roof. it's just screens. Yeah. We don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, probably. Probably. 
You'd mean, imagine. Government subsects, who knows what they're capable of. I don't but know. Also, you know, she might feel like weird withdrawal, too. Like she's right. all kinds of fucked oh, up. Oh, she's in well. a brand new body. She's all sorts of confused and yeah. fucked up right now. Yeah, so we skirted around it a lot. But I think one of the most empowerful episodes, or scenes of Legion Season 2 up to date is the scene where, and it's like pretty much almost a continuous scene of mm-hmm. Amy describing her dream. Yep. And you seeing the outside and the turbines going. And you mm-hmm. see Amy talking to her husband, Ben. And that's the first time we've seen Ben since season one. We didn't right. even know yeah. if Ben made it or not. Right. But yeah, let's not talk about, yeah. <laughs> let's unpack that, that whole scene of oh, episode five. And how, like, harrowing it was. And terrifying. I mean, you know, at this point, did all of us know, like, that body's Amy's. Like, oh no! Uh, I think the show I, was starting to hint at it. Doing it? See, I yeah, I didn't see it. The first time, the minute they minute they first time they show Amy. Well, the first time they show, I figured out a little bit. With the eyes, the eye. Well, because the they're like, eyes. that's not your eyes, and I was just like, that's when it clicked for me. I'm like, where has the sister been the entire show? Yeah, oh. not so much that I remember that she had blue eyes, but I was just like, the miss. The mystery is whose body is that? Mm-hmm. Whose right. body is that? And I'm like, well, what body has been missing? The entire first half of the season. I was a little bit confused at first because when I put it together, I was thinking, did Farouk kill Amy and then he got the sample, like the tissues? Because they didn't show who was in the grave. Right. And I thought like that was Amy and like I thought they were presenting out of time that like he took the body, the like tissue sample from like dead Amy, but he had already killed. So I was confused by that at first. Yeah. And then I realized it was just Lenny's actual body. body, They took like the little bit of a sample just so they could. I mean, that that. weird wall of technology they get the sampler from. The men in black. That's a whole other question. Oh, well, when when Oliver, when David and. Episode two mm-hmm. took uh, Patonomy and Sid out to the desert and let Oliver into D three. I think that's when Oliver stole. That's when he took the that oh, piece took of machine. So that's a D three. That's why they yes. went to D three is to get to that. steal that weapon. Yeah. But David didn't realize that they were doing that to restore Lenny's body. Right. right. Or yeah. any body. He was assi- no, he thought he was assisting Farouk in finding Farouk's finding body because he had already decided, I'm going to do this. Yeah, well, I thought it was finding the monk. He, he thought that they were there to find the monk, they, but they were but just... Ultimately and they didn't find care the about the monk. Right. No. Yeah. The monk was like a red herring. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that scene, it, it it's harrowing in the way it reminded me of some some of the more tense scenes from Breaking Bad where you yes. just know it's going to go wrong. Yeah, it's going shitty. Yes. Uh, you see it, Oliver like just levitate her onto the table. Yeah. It's just like, oh, oh my god. god. Yeah. Especially how the whole episodes they keep saying, whose body is that? Yeah. Whose body is that? That's why, that's like for me, like I think it was almost like almost more anxiety inducing for me in a way because like I figured it out early and, and you're just sitting the whole episode just like, oh no. Fuck. It's, and then, then it's, they show his sister, you're just like, <laughs> Jeremy and I got into this a little bit when we were talking about um, A Quiet Place. It's mm-hmm. the Hitchcockian method of horror directing where you show them the bomb. Yeah. So like mm-hmm. you show the audience that it's going to be Amy and you give yeah. them the blue eyes and you're like, you. that's when you reintroduce Amy. And then the, ho- the whole time the viewer's just like, oh, fuck. Yeah. And waiting for it to happen. And that makes the anxiety that much mm-hmm. more tense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, just this is the first time that we've seen Oliver do something truly sinister. And to yeah. see him well, apart set from her disintegrating all those trail. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all those black mask yeah, assault rifle they guys fucking yeah, whatever. <laughs> someone who we know. Yeah, I mean, people into animals, whatever. Yeah, but his, that's fine. Those guys have been disposable the entire run of the show, though. Like David, <laughs> David disintegrated a ton of those They're guys. Yeah, back yeah. But yeah, seeing her, seeing him uh, set her body on that table, and she's saying, "What are you doing?" Just him saying, screaming. I'm finding the sculpture in the stone. Oh, that was uh, such a good line. Oof. Oh, yeah, Farouk's like, something, something, soleil, like, here is the sun. Because he kept saying, we're going right. to see the sunrise. And right. he's yeah. talking about Lenny. But that statement almost sounds like it leads to more. Because I feel like Lenny is being, she is sent there. And she's even aware that she is sent there for a reason. Farouk has manipulated her mind. She's doing things without... Um, purposefully or necessarily wanting to. Right. She's just going with the motions. So when Farouk said, here comes the sun, it makes me wonder what's going to come, what is going to happen. And I don't necessarily think that it's just the jarring moment when David realizes whose body it is. I think so much more is going to come of that. Right. Well, I mean, sorry, Farouk says to her when Lenny first asks him for her body back, he says, what are you going to do with it? Right. And he says, and then what? Right. You know, like yeah. he has a purpose for giving her a body back. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think too, like saying like, we're going to see a sunrise. Is he saying S-U-N or S-O-N? Mm. And sending ah. Lenny to Division 3, like we're going to see the sunrise. Interesting. Hmm. The son the of son of the Charles man Xavier. that killed oh, Farouk. Interesting. Right. That's wow. how I took it when I watched mm. that. But. Interesting. <laughs> I've it been wrong be, before. Damn, either way, I mean, it, could, it could be read that way. Fab. It could be like, you know, like, hey, Lenny, you're going to see. Because when Lenny walks out onto the desert, yes. it's not necessarily oh, it is a, yeah. it's a, The sun's there, though. And Can like, we talk about how amazing of an actress Aubrey Plaza is? I mean, her amazing. pulling herself out of that Incredible. ditch, covered Incredible. in slime and just kind of writhing and, you know, obviously being Born. not... It is like being born again and figuring out how to walk. Like, yeah. just the way she is walking towards the sun being so uncertain. Mm-hmm. And then also yeah. later, she's just riding on that horse. That yeah, was a she just weird. found a horse. Like, <laughs> I guess I'll just drape myself over this horse. Part of like, me, it's yeah, like funny. I was watching the show. I was like, oh, Farouk gave her a horse. I, my brain was just like, Farouk gave her a horse. I think I did, too. I think that I just assumed you just, that they even, just Now that like, you know, well, because said out loud, they, I'm like, that is they, weird. They brought her from where they put her into Amy's body and then left her in that ditch. They deposited her there. Yeah. No memory of what had happened. Right. And then you also have to wonder, is Amy still in there? That's a good question because obviously Amy's mind must be somewhere. When Batonomy tries to get in there, it seems the memories that he's looking into are like there, but like poison. They are fucked up. Like right. But when we see it's the sunflowers falling to the ground and blood splattering, and those were Amy's final memories. Final memories. He wasn't seeing Lenny's memories. He was seeing Amy's final moments. Yeah. Right. But then he also saw he also saw the soda vodka part two. So they're kind of like I think they're I think they're mixed up. Yeah. So like is Amy in there? Might be what you're getting to um, with you know yeah Amy is in there and like part of the interaction that David is going to have with this new Lenny Amy um, hybrid hybrid is going to 
be like that magnetism of his sister. Right. I mean, in knowing how Farouk operates, of course he would put a familiar face onto um, a person that he has known his entire life. So mm-hmm. despite Lenny's... Um, mo- despite not fully believing Lenny, mm-hmm. the fact that Lenny is in his sister's body, it might lure him down a tunnel that he would otherwise avoid. And right. potentially Farouk is all aware of that because why Amy to yeah. put Lenny's consciousness into? It's a level right. of darkness that this show has not gone to this right. thus far. Like mm. if you think about it, they haven't killed a character. A, they kill um, the guy with the one. The eye. guy with the one eye was yeah. his name. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's brutal, but it's almost like comical because it's very CGI. Oh, Ooh. and they kill mm. the other telekinesis guy. Oh yeah, yes. just so random. But like yes. yeah, he was, was barely a character yeah, to begin nothing, with, so it didn't really matter. So this is the first time that they're really killing like a character, a good character that we're we have a connection with. Right. Yeah. David obviously has. I a mean, well, the with. thing is, like, they're not killing her. I think that's like right. the more. I mean, that's even like, darker. I think that, that's what I was about to say. Yeah. I think that's what's fundamentally worse about it is that she's not dead. Right. That's she's like, like this pushed to the back, the sunken place, almost. You right. know, yeah, sunken place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it harkens back to that conversation about delusion and colors and the fact that he associated the color of her eyes <gasps> so mm-hmm. much so with the delusion that the character was going through herself right. slash mm-hmm. yeah. what he might also go through later on because he can't identify who is in that body right. per se. But he did, and when he did, it was through the memory of him yeah. running with her with King. And right. we realized King wasn't was, really there. Right. Yeah. All right. yeah. It's a lot. Yeah, as always. Almost there's too much. a lot <laughs> going on in Noah, this show. Noah, Holly, there's a lot here. <laughs> there's a lot to unpack here. Yeah, yeah. More least... than maybe the four of us can handle in one go. Well, yeah. that's why well, I was so split into right. two. Yeah. We're breaking it down oh. smaller <laughs> and smaller every Honestly, time. Though, I, I can't wait to watch these episodes again. I'm gonna start watching this week. Yeah, I'm excited. I think I'm not gonna rewatch the whole season until it's done. Mm-hmm. Same. But I think now because I waited to I waited till these five episodes stacked up and I kind of watched them through. Now I'm about to be a week to weeker. Yeah. Pretty. I'm definitely. It's like, gonna be rough. When tomorrow man. the next episode comes out, I'm gonna be right there, ready to go. I think it'll be good though to let it all sink in and kind of come to your own conclusions and then uh-huh. watch because, yeah. as you know, I watched. Several episodes last night and then finished it today, so very compact. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so it's all just kind of one. It blurs together. It's just one yeah. continuous It's nice to do a podcast streaming. about it. Oh, it's sure. Like, get it all. But I might have even more ideas of what it all means had I had the time to so, think okay. on it. Mm-hmm. Sure. Sure. The, I think the thing that. Because I, I go back and forth between the binging and the week to week like perspective mm-hmm. on watching a show. Um, and I think there are positives to both. But I think for mm-hmm. this setting, binging it has been helpful. Like, I've also binged the, the, pretty much the whole thing this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, it was nice to just watch the show on my own because normally what I don't, I can't avoid doing after watching a show week to week is going on the internet and yeah, seeing right. discussion about it. And like, <clears throat> here we're coming to all the stuff on our own, um, which is one advantage to just binging it and then coming That's into the true. microphone like very fresh. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Sure. I Almost agree. hot taking the show. Yeah. Takes. Yeah. <laughs> a good merger of the two podcasts. Yeah. I did look at sure. a few things, but you they did. didn't really yeah. lend to 
much of anything. So. But that's, yeah, that's <laughs> also different than the like the week to week like internet forum trolling mm-hmm. of like yeah. you know part of the reason why Westworld I think had a lot of buzz last year mm-hmm. and why it's losing steam now. It's definitely losing steam. Yeah, I'm definitely got to get up on that. Well, the next episode of Legion that we're going to get is kind of like seeing a bunch of different Davids in different lives, mm. which oh. is going to be very compelling. How do you know this? You oh, just uh, from watching it on uh, FX. And uh, okay. they're like, next week on Legion, oh, which I shouldn't watch, but I do. Spoilies. Yeah. <laughs> I love spoilers. Interesting. I'm, okay, yes. so we're going to explore... Like we had personality, David. Well, good. Yes, I'm glad definitely. because they introduced cool. the whispers and mm-hmm. they kind of left that behind. So right. if they pick up on that, that would be incredible. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully they will. They probably will just enough to keep us satisfied. <laughs> yep. And we'll Duh. be like, what? <laughs> Duh. Uh, I just want to drop this in here really yeah. quick because I meant to say it before. It's only for me, I think, probably, uh, and for our listeners, but the future Sid one arm thing. It's all very Trunks, Dragon Ball Z. It's just for me. Just for <laughs> That's just, for you. Yeah. Just I don't know me. what any of that is. It's a little thing for me. So. My own posterity. So no, no one's a, a lot of shows deal with like future one arm. That's like Adventure Time has a very yes, big with arc. Finn. With Finn dealing well, with one arm in the future. Yeah. So the thing is, Trunks came from the, the future to help uh, Goku because he had a heart disease. And Trunks comes from huh. the future oh, very to save for Goku so that they can prevent an apocalyptic setting. Well, just eat less oh. But actually, it wasn't disease. Trunks that lost the one arm. It was Gohan, who was Go- Goku's son, who became Trunks' mentor and teacher. But he lost an arm in the future. So it's like a one-arm thing going on there. Wow, I Again, this is all for me. This is all for me. This is just... I just woke up. For you and for listeners. This is just... And the, Sid. You know. And Sid. And Sid. If Mike was here, he would be able to get into this. Yeah, I'm sure he'd fall out. And they tell you why True Detective Season 2 is good. <laughs> I, I, this is, that's where we disagree. <laughs> Any closing thoughts from you, Stamper? Or oh Robbie? Oh my god. Give me more. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. I, I just cannot wait for more. I'm so glad yeah. that we are doing five and then... Yeah. Delving six. into more because yeah. oh my, when we did the first season, there was almost too much it's to go over. Yeah, and even with five, it seems like too much. It's a lot. I mean, every <laughs> episode, there's so much to get into stylistically, psychologically, cerebrally. I mean, just in every way, we're presented so much to process and kind of be able to go to sleep at night. <laughs> it's yeah. it's difficult. It's very difficult. But um, I I'm looking forward to what comes next. Mm-hmm. I'm very, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. I'm very excited. Um, like I said, I had some criticisms, but like that, it's it's my top three favorite shows that I think are on TV right now. I think it's mm-hmm. I think it's like this Handmaid's Tale and Atlanta are like the three best curated shows. Wow, how quickly you forget Mr. Robot. <laughs> next wow, next this. next uh, later this year we'll get another season. It's not on the air right now. He forgets. I do forget. I mean, if you're talking about things that are currently on the air right now, yes, I guess so. Yeah, I agree with you. I think this yeah. is the most exciting television that we have right now on the air. Yeah, for sure. Legion I is stand by that. no right to be as good as it is. This weird right. X-Men offshoot on yeah. the comic books that were not that great. And That's now right. we made this amazing show. I'm glad we at least do this podcast. I mean, it's not for people who haven't watched the show, but at least maybe people are seeing it in their feed. Because I feel like this is a very underrated show. Like, not a lot of people are talking about this show. No, it's rare to find somebody out in the wild that has watched it. But I would recommend it wholeheartedly to anyone. Yeah, I find mm-hmm. myself telling people all the time. I was even talking today. We were doing. I'm gonna get into like 
environmental blah 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 but we were talking about the pollution of the hudson river and about all of the additives throughout the course of you know however years that have created the pollution why it's not drinkable and yada yada and i brought up the quote from season one that i loved because we were doing this module today with kids and you know we were talking about watersheds and how all the pollution comes together and i said it's like making soup Mm. You cut the vegetables, you Can't add the meat. Yep. How do you unmake soup? It's like a pollution. How mm-hmm. can you undo that? Right. Yeah. Dilution it's... is not the solution <laughs> <laughs> to pollution. Nope. <laughs> nope. So it, it does. It translates into real life, and in in those conversations, I find myself recommending the show. I'm like, you yeah. have to watch it because it's in the X Men lore, but it's more about psychology and mental illness and the way it's presented. Mm-hmm. Holy brings you to that point but i think even for as dense as the show is i think it's also very uh, accessible Mm -hmm. like it's the i'm going to keep drawing the comparison to twin peaks because Mm -hmm. of the surrealism that's inherent there i do not think and i'm specifically talking about the return Mm -hmm. i do not think the return is accessible Accessible. at all um i think it's great but i don't think it's accessible at all yes um this i feel like you could come to you know and just dive right into season one and it's weird and it's out there and there's a lot going on it's very dense but i think it's presented with kind of this amount of lightheartedness that is definitely it's a lot darker in season two but i think it's a lot more easily accessible to a wider audience but it's just I want them to keep making this show so i like want people to watch it (laughs) so like you know I mean, like, I feel like FXX, they haven't canceled Archer yet, so... That's true. (laughs) That's true. That's saying a lot. At some point, we might be like, fucking kill Legion. Stop. Let it die. Like, I'm done. David Holler, goodbye. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you guys are doing Legion, but it's like a Miami Vice episode. It's like, that's not what I want. They can do that easily. They can do that. You thought going to Clockworks in the middle of season one was bad? (laughs) Wait wait for they do Miami Vice Legion. Just fucking wait. Well, that happen. might be cool, though. No, you would have said that about Archer too, and guess what? It's not. I would not. Have <laughs> said that. I, would I not enjoy have said that Archer, Archer still, Don't but worry. it's like way low. Yeah. Like my bar's up here normally, it's this, but my bar for Archer that, is like down there. That here. first three yeah. seasons of Archer is is all you need. Yeah, yeah, that's all you need from that. Yeah. Wow, right. on that note. <laughs> well, thank you so much, listeners, for listening to us gab and gab and gab and gab some more <laughs> about Legion. Season two, the first half, we're going to get another six more episodes in the back half of season two. So please come back and listen to the analysis of that. It's going to be just as weird. But oh, you're yeah. into that. Maybe. You're into Legion. Maybe the show gets really normal. <laughs> no, <laughs> we're going to be just as weird. Oh, that is true. So... <laughs> One more thing I didn't touch on oh gosh. yet. Go for it. The touch music it. and the fashion oh, is amazing. God, yeah. the music, the <laughs> score. His, his pants are so good. Yes. I mean, we can maybe music. talk about that more in the back half. But Bonnie like, that Bonnie Bear song! Yeah. so good! Yes. Oh. We obviously are crazy about Legion. <laughs> I've been so excited to talk about Legion. No. Me too. The show does. Yeah, that's. They were looking at the waveform of the waveform. It just got real fucked up. It's loud. It's something that Bonnie Bear is not often. No. no. He's more like. But it even was. Ding. It was still that, but it was like, yeah. dang, this is crazy. Shit. Shit. Nuts. Yeah. I mean, they, I talked about how I love that Feist song in season one. Yeah. Bonnie Bear is the. 
the new Fife song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. They had some good needle drops in this season. Mm-hmm. This is one of those shows, I feel like Handmaid's... Traps. That's what Birch... Because Birch was telling me... We were talking about Handmaid's Tale, and Birch is mm-hmm. just like, I really like Handmaid's Tale, but I feel like their needle drops aren't great. I'm like, what does that mean? He's like... The music cues. The music cues. I didn't realize what that meant. He was just uh, like... You got one? Needle. I got... Well, I know how to drop a needle. <laughs> I just didn't know what it meant in terms of, of movies the, and the TV. Lead, the Exactly. Yeah. But I agree with him. I was like, yeah, and like, Handmaid's Tale is a little weird sometimes when they drop in the music. It, it's yeah. not always... It's not doesn't very always elegant. work. Yeah, it just kind of comes out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, it fits so well. In, in this, it's... First of all, they just pick really good oh, music. And that cover yes. of White Room with Black Curtains, too, yeah. in the same... Oh, that mm, whole episode, honestly, really the score. Good. All incredible. the musical cues incredible. in both seasons, I the think I'm just drops. like... Oh, and um, episode two was directed by Anna Lily Amapore. Yes. Yes, mm. which was something I wanted to point out, who directed uh, A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, uh-huh. which I highly recommend if you haven't seen it. So I've heard, I've heard good cool things about to that. See. Yeah, that was a good point. That. Yes. Yeah, that was a very, very cool, cool episode, also. Absolutely. <laughs> I think that's everything. I think <laughs> I've checked all the things. a million more things. Turn this oh, microphone no, 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 off. Yeah. One more thing. <laughs> it's definitely not all. <laughs> yeah. uh, please go to storyscreenbeacon.com. That is the hive mind of Story Screen Beacon. You'll We're find all just the vermilion. <laughs> For all the vermilion. Go to storyscreenbeacon.com. Social media. Yes. Find us on Instagram. <laughs> You'll find all of our articles, reviews, and podcasts, as well as some merch if you're interested in some merch. Cool, Robbie. Yeah. Buy a fucking t shirt. I wonder great. how many times this worked. Buy a fucking t shirt. Just please. threaten our listeners. Listen. <laughs> there, there's only I one way they'll listen you to live. us. Stamper knows where you live. I don't, but Stamper does know she's, <laughs> she's the muscle. She's so. the robot. <laughs> <laughs> But thank you so much, listeners, for tuning in and hearing us gab about things. And hopefully we will catch you again on all of the various podcasts that we host. Thanks so much for tuning in, and we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye. Everybody's here That's for your true. voice, Robert. Come. Mm-hmm. Come to daddy. To my window. <laughs> Don't do that into the microphone. You do that weird clicking thing with your mouth. Yeah. We're clicking it. Oh, we're we all do it. I tried. You can't do it fast enough. No, to do it. there's no way. But if we all do it at the same time. Uh, oh, so oh, like. Syncopated? That's that's terror audio. <laughs> that's really weird. It still didn't feel fast enough. It was no. so quiet. You could see all the little teeth chatters. Yeah. Mike that can take, be the intro Mike can the take that and blow and, it out. And just really amplify it.